Shabbat Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Virtual House Church. We're so glad you can join us today. If you're new to the Virtual House Church, you can go to virtualhousechurch.com. Virtualhousechurch.com is our primary website. Uh, when you go to virtualhousechurch.com, it takes you to, to this page right here. Uh, this is a website that I built back in 2012, 2013 timeframe, so it's been around for a while. It's in the process of getting completely updated, so I'm just updating it as we go along. So right now, all the links up to this week, which is week 17, will take you to the new website. So for instance, if you click on who we are, it takes you to a page on the new website that just describes uh, Sheila and I, who we are, what we are about. Uh, the Virtual House Church Store will take you to... Let me click on that again. We'll take you to this page right here, and uh, it has some calendars there. It has the calendar created by Kevin and Amanda Roberts uh, that you can click on for a free PDF. You can download it and print it off if you want yourself, or if you want a professional printed copy and you live in the United States, you could click on the domestic button, international, right below that if you're outside the United States. Then below that, we have the calendar by Juan Carlos. It's slightly different, reckons things a little bit differently. And look, we don't claim, none of us claim to have the corner on truth. All of us are trying to figure this out. And uh, there are different views, as you'll find as you get into this sort of this walk. You'll see that a lot of different opinions on how things are to be understood. And so this is uh, Juan Carlos's understanding there. And below that are the Taurus City workbooks. And of course, we're in Exodus right now. You can get them typically faster through Amazon and uh, cheaper through us. If you order all five of them together, uh, you can get those through us. I am current on all of my orders, so if you have placed an order and you haven't received it yet, just be patient. It's in the mail. Uh, they have all gone out, so uh, you're waiting on the post office at this point. Uh, below that is if you want to get the PDF version of them quickly, you could click on that and get them instantaneously after you order them. And, of course, then we have the Ephraim Awakening DVD-ROM that contains all of the resources you see there, including the PDF versions of the workbooks uh, right there. So, valuable resource for you. Our statement of faith, just what it sounds like. This is what we believe here at the Virtual House Church, uh, starting with the uh, song "My This Is My Creed by Petra, one of my all-time favorite Christian rock bands of the 80s. Uh, then a printed version of the Statement of Faith below that. And coming out of Babylon is a link that I, it's a page that's specifically designed for people that are really new to this and wonder what does it mean? You know, we're supposed to come out of Babylon, right? What does that mean? What does that look like? And uh, this is sort of my own journey of coming out of Babylon, starting with my book, Babylon Rising. Uh, the last chapter of my book deals with, uh, with this issue. And as I came into the understanding, I, I started my radio show. This My radio show started back in 2010 as a result of this sort of spiritual awakening. And these are the first two shows that I did way back then, in November of 2010 and 12, uh, or uh, December of 2010. And then below that are various videos and books and resources, lots of videos for you to check out on all kinds of different topics. You can spend a better part of a month just on this one page alone, and I recommend that you do. There's a lot of good stuff here for you to learn and, and books for you to get and check out, uh, especially if you come from a similar background like uh, myself and many others. I uh, came from a dispensational preacher of rapture, legalistic, King James-only Baptist background. So um, there's a lot of stuff that uh, you know we're raised with that uh, we have come to learn in later years may not be exactly right. Um, below that is a Torah fellowship uh, page. It takes a few seconds to load. 
Uh, but uh, this page right here is a plugin. has a plugin by 119 Ministries that uh, shows people around the world that uh, are doing what we're doing here. You know, they're trying to do as Jim Staley says, Bible things in Bible ways. And so if you're looking for like-minded people, this might be a good resource for you. Here's somebody way out in the middle of Venezuela. Let me click on that. You click on a little blue tab, Manuel, uh, and it has their contact information. So that's how that works. You just click on one of those, and then you can reach out and uh, connect with somebody, hopefully. Uh, what about Paul? A lot of people come here, and they think that what we're doing is wrong, and usually what they will do is quote something that the Apostle Paul wrote, and I'll just tell you that all the hosts at Virtual House Church, we actually love Paul. Uh, we very much believe that Paul is a, a legitimate apostle, and that his writings are scripture, just as Peter declared that they were. Uh, so, uh, But there are issues that you have to understand with Paul, and a lot of them, uh, I, I sort of categorize them as like frequently asked questions what do we do about Paul and his writings? So this page is dedicated to that. So I recommend you check these out before you come here quoting Paul in the chat room. You have better read all of these blogs right here. And frankly, I've come to believe that you need to spend a lot of time thoroughly reading, studying, and understanding what Paul read, studied, and understood before quoting anything that he wrote. Because unless you understand what he read, you'll never understand what he wrote. Um, and I didn't understand that myself. Uh, until you know about 10 years ago as I started getting into this. Now I have a much greater appreciation and understanding of Paul than I ever did before as a result of studying the things that he studied, that being, of course, the Torah and the prophets, which, by the way, were the scriptures that the Bereans were studying when these you know uh, New Testament apostles were coming through town and talking about this guy, Yeshua. Uh, it said they searched the scriptures daily. Well, what were they searching? They weren't reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the apostles, uh, the, the epistles of Paul, and uh, the book of Revelation. Those books hadn't been written yet. They were reading the Torah and the prophets. And so uh, this page will be a valuable resource to you in that regard. And, of course, Galatians is not the only book in the Bible, believe it or not. Uh, and there are many people who want to cite the book of Galatians, so I'd recommend you spend time on this page. Are you really a foolish Galatian for trying to obey Yahuwah? I say no, um, and that's going to be kind of interesting with this week's Torah portion because this week's Torah portion deals with the giving of the Ten Commandments. Pretty cool. Below that is a Hebrew calendar page. It's just dedicated to the calendars. If you want a quick reference for the calendars, there you go. And you'll notice on the right-hand side, the uh, page sort of populates differently. You have a search bar up here. You can search for keywords on the website. Yahuwah's Love Letter and Psalm 91, both of these audio uh, pl players right here, you can click on those and that'll be a real blessing to you. And below that are Bible study tools that I like to use online. BlueLetterBible.org, BibleGateway.com, Bible.cc, and Bible.is are resources that I have open on my web browser all the time. <laughs> I have these always open on my web browser. Um, the Aramaic... English New Testament Bible uh, is a great resource for you there as well. Uh, if you believe in what we're doing here and you want to see it continue, uh, we are a listener-supported ministry, so you can donate right here if, if you so desire. 
uh, I will say we can't do it without you. And to those of you who have contributed to our ministry in the past, you made it possible for us to make it this far for the last 10 years. Putting stuff out for free for the whole world uh, is because you enabled us to do so. So thank you so much for all who have supported us in the past and who uh, may consider supporting us in the future. And at the very bottom there, you have other Torah ministries that I enjoy. Torah family is Steve Mutria. New to Torah is Zach Bauer. 119 Ministries Unlearn is Lex Meyer and Jim Staley's teachings right there. So those links will take you to their ministry pages. And then finally, we get to this week's study. And this is a shortcut page, uh, sort of a quick reference for this week's study. If you want to click on the audio player here. Jethro, the priest of Midian. You can have uh, somebody read it to you. Uh, so it has all the scripture references uh, for this week's uh, Torah portion there, as well as the prophets and New Testament portions all being read to you there. Then we have the Parsha in 60 seconds. This is a ministry out there. Parsha means uh, in, in Hebrew is the Hebrew word for study. And they distill the Torah portion down to 60 seconds. Really cool. We'll watch that in a minute here. And then this right here is what we're doing right now. This is the live feed. And once we are done with this broadcast, it will archive and stay here till next Friday, which is when I typically update this page for the next week's study. And then we have this purple button here. Click here for additional study notes. That takes you right into the meat of this week's study. This is the study page for Exodus Week 17, Yitro or Jethro. If you're viewing this on a mobile device, a uh, tablet or cell phone or something, you could click on that and it takes you to a more mobile-friendly version of the website where you can, like, for instance, this might be what it looks like on a tablet and a cell phone. Or actually, this would be about like a tablet. This would be a cell phone. So it scales appropriately to whatever device you're viewing it on. So sort of two versions of this. These are all the scriptures for this week's study. And let's go ahead and play the Parsha in 60 seconds and we'll jump in here. Shalom and welcome to Parsha in 60 Seconds. Today's portion is from Exodus 18.1 through 20.23. It is called Yitro, which means Jethro, who was Moses' father-in-law. Moses was visited by Jethro, his father-in-law. While Moses was dealing with all the problems of the people, Jethro suggested making known the law and appointing leaders to judge the people. Moses agreed and Jethro went home. Moses went up to Mount Sinai and met with God. God would make a covenant with all the Israelites in three days. Three days later, Mount Sinai was smoky, quaking, and loud as God spoke in thunder. God came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses up. Anyone else who touched the mountain would die. God spoke. One, I the Lord am your God. Two, you shall not have other gods besides me. Three, you shall not use my name as a swear word. Four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Five, honor your father and mother. Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witness. Ten, you shall not covet. The people were afraid of God's voice and asked Moses to speak for God. God told Moses more detailed laws, and that is Yitro in 60 seconds. All right. Love that ministry. They do a really good job of distilling it all down to 60 seconds with some cool visuals, typically, and uh, I enjoy the way they word it sometimes, too. Uh, below that are previous year's studies that we did. Uh, the first one that I did is just audio uh, from back in 2012 and 13, and then uh, 2014 uh, uh, started doing video, and 2017 broadcasts is where I teamed up with Now You See TV at that time. Uh, we were doing commentaries with them, and that particular week I was uh, I was in Amsterdam, 
doing a conference there at the time. So Steve Mutria uh, came in and substituted for me. Some interesting stuff that they had to talk about back in 2017. Again, this is this week's study right here. Studies done by others. This one is the Way Biblical Fellowship with uh, Charlie and JP. So that's their version of this week's study. Ardell's Your Living Water Commentary. Again, I can't recommend these highly enough. These are fantastic commentaries. I highly recommend you click on these PDFs, view them, read them, download them, print them, put them in a binder. Uh, she has some fantastic insights she did from 2008 to 2010. So you can go through those if you really want to go into a deep study of each week's tour portion. And then we have the same questions every week. These questions are designed to get your mind thinking and the gears turning and uh, stimulate discuss discussion if you are in a small group, a home group fellowship or something like that. This portion paralleled in the book of Joshua right there. And then we have notes for this week's study from the past. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, sadly, due to bad English translations and bogus teaching, I think this is what many Christian Bibles must look like concerning the Sabbath. Remember, uh, to scratch out, the uh, Sabbath day to keep it spiritual. Six days shalt thou labor and do thy work, but a Sabbath day is a Sabbath of the Jews in it thou shalt go to church. <laughs> Scratched out all this stuff. For in metaphoric six days, 13.82 billion years, the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and slept in a seventh day, a week, month, year. Wherefore the Lord blessed a Sabbath principle and that's sort of the <laughs> scratched out version of modern Christianity's understanding of the Sabbaths. I saw this meme on Facebook one time, like, that's about right. That's pretty much the way it is uh, uh, for many people. Then um, below that, I have a whole lot of blogs that I just uh, updated this page uh, for you. These are from the Ephraim Awakening website, which is sort of a sister website to the Virtual House Church. Uh, has lots of blogs. They started out as Facebook notes, and then I just turned it into a whole blogging website. But, whoops, let me go back here. Uh, so these are the blogs that I wrote specifically dealing with keeping the commandments and the feasts of God, how it is a sign between Yahuwah and his bride. It's like your wedding vows. Think of it that way. Uh, what, what coming out of Babylon looks like, Paul taught against transgression of the law, a.k.a. sin. John defines sin in 1 John chapter 3 as transgression of the law. So go read the writings of Paul, and you'll see he teaches a lot against sin, meaning he taught a lot against transgression of the law, hmm. which is why we follow Paul's example. You can click on that. T uh, 10 or 613, this one comes up a lot. Well, is it 10 commandments, Rob? Are you keeping all 613? Usually people who say that are, you know, I hate to say it, but extremely ignorant. They've never read it. They just heard somewhere that there's 613 commandments in the Torah, and so they think that that's a good one to get you with. Uh, no, you'd have to be a circumcised female Levite king working in a stone temple in Jerusalem with a side job as a farmer who acts as a judge in the land in order to keep all 613 commandments. Yeshua himself couldn't keep 613 commandments. So <laughs> uh, we could talk about that some more during the broadcast here. <laughs> as we continue. Uh, so, and that's sort of addressed in the next one here. So do you keep all 613 commandments, Rob? Um, no. Yeshua couldn't do it, neither can I. Uh, church fathers in the closing words of Scripture there, twisting and distorting Colossians 2.16. That's one people will throw out all the time. They'll take Colossians 2.16, uh, 
2.16 and that whole passage right there in Colossians 2 and say we shouldn't be doing what we're talking about here, yeah, you might want to go back and read that again. To keep the Sabbath or not to keep the Sabbath, that is the question. Satan sabotaging the Sabbaton. That was a big revelation for me. We can talk about that in this week's broadcast uh, with my guest here shortly. Uh, what is the Lord's Day finding our Sabbatismos? Jesus is my Sabbath, so I don't have to keep the Sabbath. Well, that's this one here. Uh, lunar Sabbath versus weekly Sabbath. That's a controversial one. This is just my take on it right here. Not claiming I'm right. This is just my understanding of it right there. Uh, we have a good video here by Zach Bauer on Not Under the Law. He's got a good video for you to check out there. Just two commandments, right? Yeshua just gave us two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. Yeah, but what does it mean to love God? Hmm. Well, here you go. Uh, all the commandments hang on those two, right? So you have the two commandments, which are Torah commandments, by the way. Uh, those two commandments summarize the 10, which summarize the 613. If you go below that, what are the 613? This is a really cool website. You click on this uh, that picture, and it shows you the Ten Commandments. And then, let's say you click on this one right here. Boom! These are the the numbered versions of the 613 that deal specifically with that particular commandment. So, uh, yeah, way cool. I mean, uh, I don't know how you get back here. Um, I don't know how you get back. Huh. Anyway, that's how that works. Uh, I don't want to waste the whole time trying to figure that out. Uh, destroying Other Wretched Arguments. This was a great series that Zach Bauer did. Uh, there's a, a ministry out there called Wretched, which I think is quite wretched, frankly, uh, that was saying that what we're doing here is wrong, and uh, Zach sort of goes point for point against what was being said there. Below that, Jim Staley is teaching Identity Crisis, which is a turning point for many of us here at the Virtual House Church. If you haven't seen it, recommend you check that out. Uh, 322 Tetrads in the Time of Jacob's Trouble. I think I posted this sort of as maybe a little bit of a counterpoint to some of the things that Steve was saying. With all due respect to Steve, I love Steve Mutria. Uh, we disagree on interpretations of end times and stuff like that. So uh, I think this was sort of my counter-argument to some of what he was talking about back in those days. Um, Solomon's Temple being built by Nephilim. Mm, what's up with that? I uh, must have talked about that in one of the previous year's broadcasts, so there's some stuff there. What does the New Jerusalem look like on a ball? Hmm. Is it a cube? Is it a pyramid? Is it completely ridiculous on a spinning ball? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Um, then we have a few other things. So apparently I've talked about a lot of different things in the past on this week's Torah portion. So uh, I'm going to start to shut up now and bring on my guest for this week's Torah portion. Uh, uh Jake Grant and Juan Carlos are not with us today, and I got a, a new person with us uh, for the Virtual House Church anyway. Uh, she was a real trooper to come on at the last minute's notice. I, I'm like panicking. I got no one to help me out here. About an hour ago, I sent a, a text message. Hey, would you be interested? Because she sent out an offer uh, to join me uh, in the past uh, if you ever need somebody else uh, from a female perspective. And I thought, yeah, yeah, that would be cool. So I'm excited to welcome for the first time to the Virtual House Church, Jessica Arianas. Arianas, did I say it right? Man, you, you got me rolling over here. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going. That was good stuff. What a treasure trove of resource and knowledge. Thank you so much for all that. I didn't yeah. know you had all that, Rob. Oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's Well, I mean, it's been accumulating over the last, uh, you know, 10 years of doing this. So we just keep adding more and more to it, and this becomes a huge website by the time it's done, you know. Great. It's awesome. 
Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, I, I've, you know, Jessica, I met at, um, I think it was a, one of the Torah, uh, was it? Moedim Conference. The Moedim Conference in San, in San Diego. Yeah. Now, there was two of them, I think, two conferences I think I did Several. out there. Several, yeah. Um, that wasn't the one where I got put on stage and they, they asked me about, or was it? Was that the one about Florida? It is. It oh. was, <laughs> man. Yeah. That was that was the one. Like, okay, we're at the, you know. For those that don't know, I mean, this was, well, that was 2015. So, I had only been into the research of what I, biblical cosmology. Let's just call it that, for a month. I I got in April, April 15th, to be specific. So by about two three weeks, I had just been looking into it. And we go to this conference, and I'm on this panel discussion with uh, it was Steve Mutria, Zach Bauer, uh, Paul Neeson, several other people. And the first question the moderator says right out of the box, so, Rob, are you still sold on the idea that the earth is flat? And, of course, everybody starts laughing at me. And at that point, I'm like, <laughs> I might as well just walk off the stage. I mean, what's the point of being here? You know, if this is the way this is going to go. And at that stage, I wasn't convinced yet. And that's what I said. I said, yeah. look, I'm not convinced of anything yet except for one thing. I am fully convinced that the people in the Bible believed it. And now we've got something to wrestle with. Uh, you know, that was basically my answer to that. But, boy... Things blew up after that for us, and um, but we got yeah. to go. Uh, I, now, before that, I had met uh, uh, Jacob James, who now goes by yeah. he goes by a different name now. <laughs> uh, was it James? No, James. J- J- yeah, Jacob James. <laughs> I knew him as a different name. Anyway, Jacob James is what he goes by now. Uh, and I had, he invited me to his house to do a Shabbat fellowship. And uh, and we went someplace else too, where with you, we did. There's a tabern- uh, Palmdale. Yeah, uh, tabernacle experience or something, right? Oh yes, uh, at Oasis Church. That's right. And so that was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. that was really cool. But in, in the um, what I noticed was in the house church fellowship with uh, Jacob. Uh, things can get pretty spirited there that there's a difference of opinion uh, i was <laughs> i was delighted to which is all good it's all in love but we've had you there many times with lots of great conversations good conversations <laughs> and i was excited that you were in my court so <laughs> I, was, I was like at least i had somebody hey, i'm on the side of truth yeah there you go <laughs> yeah uh, and it just happened to be that you were speaking the truth so. <laughs> amen <laughs> <laughs> what can you say? Well, yeah, it was good to have yeah. you know, somebody going to bat for me, and because <laughs> everybody was yeah, like, you were, and people were. It's so funny because for some reason, when people are in your presence, they just they and they you know they come at you, and they there were hard questions. There were hard yeah. questions, and you were sitting there like. <laughs> Yeah. Should, should I go now? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, well, it, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a newbie. I'm a newbie in an in an environment full of people who disagree with me. So I'm thinking, okay. You know, do I just do I do what I typically do and come out swinging (laughs) or respect the, you know, the household that I'm in and just, you know, quietly be submissive. And, you know, it's it's always that sort of struggle. Yeah. Um, But anyway, I've 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 seen a number of your shows and you've had me on your show. uh, And I know you do stuff with uh, Dr. Stephen Pigeon. Uh, that aside from the biblical cosmology side, I really enjoy his his take take on things. <laughs> so, how do you, we talked briefly off the air? But how do you sort of deal with that? You know, when you're, and this may be good for people in general. Uh, when we when we have sort of a partnership with somebody that we're in a disagreement with, how do you guys how do you guys handle that? I mean, you, you're not a hundred percent in agreement with everything you talk about yet. You guys, you know, gathered together sort of like what Zen and I do and what Doug Hamp and I did before that with quest for truth. But 
what's sort of the formula that you go by? Well, respect, mm. um, for one, and we have great dialogue and conversation behind the scenes. So um, he's aware of my boundaries. I'm aware of his. And so we try to respect, first and foremost, those boundaries. And um, I don't push any of my perspective onto him and he he respects me in the same way uh but as far as the biblical cosmology as you call it i believe that uh the foundation is a flat foundation and it's clear i mean it's really simple it wasn't simple in the beginning but mm. at this point it is and it took some time for the father to remove certain veils certain dogmas and uh but wherever he's at we talked about it and we said let's not discuss these things because again i'll have to challenge you and i don't want to disrespect you mm -hmm. publicly and he says well the same for you so what we do <laughs> is we try to steer away from uh that particular subject and we focus on other subjects mm -hmm. that are pertinent so very that's cool. that's the yeah that's what we do we just you know try to respect each other's boundaries yeah, that's very good. Um, and for those who don't know, Dr. Stephen Pigeon, he's the publisher of the Cefer, uh, or Cefer, mm -hmm. I feel a different pronunciation for it, but uh, yeah. I don't know if I have mine with me. It's huge. I mean, it's like it's like that thick. I mean, this thing is massive, uh, but yeah. it, it has the, the, the traditional 66 book canon in it, but it also has all the books that were taken out of that, you know, when it was an 80 book canon. Uh, it also has books uh, like Enoch, Joshua, I think it has Jubilees in there too, doesn't it? Or, you know, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he has all that in there. And the Maccabees, uh, I think, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The the yeah, apocryphal text. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like it's all just boom in one volume. I mean, things. It's like carrying a suitcase to Bible study, but it really is. Uh, it's a, a great resource, and uh, we we're just talking off the air because um, now you see TV. They were sponsored. They sponsored it for a while there, and um, they were telling Steve Mutria in the 2017 broadcast about how he should uh, connect with them to do that. So here it is. I mean, we've been doing virtual house church for what, eight, 10 years now. And I'm like, Duh, I should get that. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we can offer it uh, through the virtual house church. The as referral well. code. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a great resource. And there's an online, I think he only has, um, I don't know how many volumes he has. I think it's just one volume, hmm. but it's free for eSort, but not the whole uh, Sefer, but he has uh, access to it for free. But yeah, um, he has lots of great content and especially his translation, uh, because it restores the names. And so I, mm -hmm. I can appreciate that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done, I've done a virtual house church with you before Did uh, you? on now you see TV. Really? Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. was I, when we were part of now you see, yeah, you came on. Uh, I wasn't we, the host at the we, time though. I must've just Jake popped was. in. Yeah. I must've just popped in probably as a, you did. Yeah. We had a fun time. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so I, um, I didn't hear from Juan Carlos. Uh, at least I don't remember him saying anything, but Jake texted me the last minute. Well, not last minute. He called me uh, late last night. He's like, hey, dude, I can't make it. I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. But um, So this week's tour portion, uh, you know, this this will be fun, sort of get it from a uh, female perspective. Well, this is the Torah portion that deals with the giving of the, the law, the Ten Commandments. Um, you know, even when we say the law... Look, I came from a legalistic environment, a legalistic background. Um, we were a New Testament Bible-believing church. I was They were independent, fundamental, and I would put parenthetically legalistic, King James-only uh, Baptist was the background that I grew up in. But the kind of legalism 
that I grew up in was your hair can't touch your collar, you can't sit too close to a girl, you better not be listening to rock music or anything with a drum beat in it. You know, you like they, they look, I love them. I always had debates with them, but I, I love them. They, I, I truly do respect the pastors that I grew up under. They were fantastic men of God. They loved the Lord. This was their conviction. I disagreed with it. In my form of rebellion, if you want to call it that, was bringing a parallel Bible to church. (laughs) How dare you bring a parallel Bible to church? You know, the the evil NIV or whatever, you know. You rebel. In there, yeah. And then when I played, we did uh, Passion Plays. Um, I I used to write, direct, and produce Passion Plays and play Jesus. I'd grow my hair long. And Pastor's like, you know, uh, Jesus had short hair. And I said, Pastor, you know, you may believe that, uh, but everybody that we're trying to reach out there they don't recognize that, you know? So why would we want that, you know, instead of them focusing on what we're trying to say during the message, why would we want them to be sitting there going, why is that dude got short hair? <laughs> you know, like, cause that's what, you know, if you've got the short hair Jesus in an environment where everybody recognizes him with, you know, probably least shoulder length hair that they'd be going, they, they'd check out, you know? So he reluctantly allowed me to do that. <laughs> Let my hair, And it wasn't like, crazy long it was just you know a little bit longer actually it's more like a mullet at the time at the time uh, <laughs> that was before they called it a mullet though which <laughs> what it was when it was still cool to have you know business in the front party in it the back never cool Rob. it was always cool it was always cool back in the rick springfield days man it was cool like i said i side with the side of two <laughs> no man so you know, I'm not going to trade one form of legalism for another. And all that to say that is that I'm the last person that would embrace legalism. I couldn't stand it. Like, <clears throat> it, it, and and it chased away a lot of people in my youth group. Um, you know, we had a pretty big youth group growing up, but as soon as everybody turned 18, they're gone. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're we got to do what mom and dad says, and we're going to stay here. But it was so restrictive and they'd bring pastors in to tell you why every Bible except the King James is evil and you know we'd have burning sessions <laughs> bringing you know the the pagan Bibles or whatever you know the heathen Bibles and burn them and you uh, your all your Christian rock it was like rock music was bad but Christian rock was even worse you know <laughs> so we'd have to bring all of our secular you know oh you got eye of the tiger you better burn it you got you know petra you better burn it you know <laughs> so it, you know that kind of legalism tends to um chase people away it does um whereas i think it quenches the it quenches the spirit it quenches the spirit and you know god is creative right he's creative and i i had a, a similar experience uh in the church that i was in being uh you know evangelical apostolic and so they had a perception or perspective on how women should present themselves. And I agree with the modesty element of that. But as far as being expressive, anything that was creative or expressive, and I live in Los Angeles, so I'm an artistic person just by nature. Okay. And then the environment around me is also very creative here in Los Angeles. And so I get it when the Holy Spirit is being quenched, it quenches also that creative aspect of who you are working in us to be creative. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, when it comes to keeping the commandments, uh, I, I had a guy in one of our home fellowships said, you know, I don't think of it so much of as, as a do and don't list because that that's the legalism. You know, you can only do this, you can't do that. You know, and 
look, as soon as somebody says you can't have a cookie, what's the first thing the kid You want it. The kid wants the cookie, you know. Adam and Dad. Eve. You get you got the whole <laughs> world. Look at this incredible cosmos. You can't have that tree. What what did yeah, they do? Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's right. Um and and so he he really helped me out with this like instead of thinking of it as a do and don't list, he he says I view it as a um get to list. Like mm. And, and I get to and don't want to list. In other words, I get to love the Lord my God with all my heart. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get to keep the Sabbath and I get to honor his name, you know, and I, I don't it. I don't want to commit adultery and I don't want to kill. I don't want to steal. You know, a uh, get to and don't want to was a lot better for me to kind of embrace and and also viewing it as because it says in Scripture that this is a sign, a covenant between Yahuwah and his bride, which I contend was married on Pentecost, but not the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. You have the Acts chapter 2 Pentecost, but this Pentecost, where he's receiving the marriage vows, uh, you know, on Mount Sinai. And when I think of the marriage vows, and I, I don't know if I have it here, I found it recently. Uh, Sheila and I wrote out, you know, like most people do, you have your, your vows, right? Your ketubah. Yeah, Yeah. when when you stand before your your bride or husband-to-be, your spouse-to-be, you recite things that you promised that you will do with them and for them, right? And so, and and a lot of people who think that what we're doing here is wrong and think it's legalism and everything, they'll call it bondage, right? Don't get me under the bondage of the law. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, so do you think Yahuwah delivered the Israelites from the bondage bondage of slavery in Egypt just to put them in bondage. No, (laughs) that doesn't make any sense at all. No, he delivered them from the bondage in Egypt, and then he gave them wedding vows, and basically, you know, when the two become one, right? Um, He's like, "If, if I'm in you, and you are in me, and we are one together, guess what? You're not gonna wanna kill people. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. because that's not in me. You know, Yahuwah is saying, it's not in me to kill people. It's not in me to steal or to do these other things. And if you are in me and I am in you, you're not going to do these other things. And and viewing it more as a covenant marriage vow scenario, it it really, it's so freeing. It's so liberating. And it's not legalistic bondage. That's my take on it. Well, I think it's because if you're talking about a ketubah, which, by the way... Now, explain ketubah, that for people who don't know. Yeah. So, ketubah, or ketab, is, ketubah is from the root word ketab, which means to write or to inscribe. <sighs> and it's interesting that, and first in the natural, then in the spiritual, right? That's what the scripture says. So, if Yana wrote down his uh, vows on stone, well, then it, it goes in line with the prophecy that says, then I will take that which was written on a, on a heart of stone and turn it into flesh, and I will write my commandments, my vows upon their heart. Well, that's what that word kathab means. It means to write or to inscribe. And in Daniel 10, 21, that word kathab is used for scripture of truth, scripture of truth, the expression of truth. So the truth is now being inscribed upon our hearts, kathab, the ketubah. And the ketubah, by the way, is what you call a wedding contract or a marriage contract. It is an element of a union. And in Amos 3, it says, how can two become one, Rob? By agreement. Mm-hmm. When they come into a group, two become one, echad, they become one by their agreements. And so 
If you're talking about fulfilling these things, fulfilling the vow, then you're talking about an expression of love where your heart is being compelled by love to submit to and to serve the contract to, to serve so that two can become one. And it's not something that is legally binding, although it is, but it's not something that you, you can mess up is what I'm saying. And there's grace there for you to grow in your error and your mistakes. And so it really is a, a you're getting to that point of perfection, but the perfection is that you and your beloved become one. And that beloved should be the spirit of truth as you become one with the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's a, a really good way of looking at it. And I mean, it, it frees you up. It's it's really does it, when when you realize you know what is being done there, and the amount of love that he has for us. Yeah. You you you. It's a it's a different mindset. If you say you can't do this, can't do that. If it's a if it's a, just a list yeah. of demands, that that is a way different feeling that you have, and instinctively a, a rebellious feeling we tend to have. Don't you can't tell me what to do. You know, it, that is yeah. a way different feeling than, you know what, I, I just want to honor you. You know what, it, it, and if you think of it as mar- marriage vows, like you shall have no other gods before me. That's saying, right. hey, listen, spouse, I'm going to marry you and you shouldn't have any other spouses besides me. You know, you know, right. all your old boyfriends or girlfriends, whatever, it's supposed <laughs> to be just the two of us now, right? Former lovers, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a whole different mindset. And this is what I want to encourage people to understand. And what we're talking about here at the Virtual House Church is getting into the, what, what does the two commandments, what, what do the two commandments of Yeshua really mean? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, you know, everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, it's the, the Ten Commandments are divided up that way. You know, I think it's like what the like, first four is like really how you love God and the other are how you love your fellow man. And while you're loving your fellow man, you're also showing love to God because, you know, Yeshua says, if you do even to the least of That's these, right. you've done it to me. You know, so, you know, if you're uh, abusing somebody, if you're doing something to somebody else, it's the same as if you're doing it to him, you know. That's right. So, and you, yeah, go ahead. Well, you were talking about Paul, right? I like that. You have me busting up there. But in um, this, this makes sense now, what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, where he's talking about everything being permissible for him, but not everything being a benefit. Mm-hmm. So I also see that me abiding within the boundary lines, the Torah and the commandments and the edicts of Yah can actually be seen also as boundary lines and safety and surety. It can be your safety in which you prosper within those boundary lines. And he's saying that this is wisdom, right? If I give you two seeds, one from Monsanto, right? That's genetically modified, that's controlled uh, so that everything you do is now controlled by this seed giver, Monsanto and everything that you produce is uh, artificial. And then you have another seed giver that gives you uh, the freedom of sowing and reaping and benefiting from your labor. Well, which one are you gonna choose? That's why he says, I put before you life and death. Choose mm-hmm. life, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's saying that, yes, all things are, are at your disposal. You can do all these things, but not everything is wise for you. It's not, it's, you don't want to take months, you want to sow seed and then create discord in your, in your garden, right? You don't want uh, to have the wheats and the tares growing together in your particular garden. So we got to be careful. So you're absolutely right, right, that the law of Yahuwah is also a boundary line. It's like a fence that keeps us safe and protected. And um, yeah. 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 So, you know, we understand the first one. I am Yahuwah. You shall have no other gods before me. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? You know, it's like, hey, yeah. 
I'm going to be your husband. You're going to be my spouse. You know, it's just the two of us, right? Uh, now, two of us understanding the plural, I call it the plurality of the bride because it's, it's an entire people group. It's Israel, the whole group of people. And this was a hard thing for me to understand, to really wrap my mind around as a man, uh, that I am the bride of Christ. Like, yeah, that, like, yeah, I just, you know, yeah. you know, I don't, with that, your mullet. yeah, with my mullet and all, man, I just, I can't like, I'm like, I don't, I can't, yeah. it, that's a hard thing for me to really wrap my mind around. Um, uh, and, and, and like Paul talks about that we are also the body of Christ. These are all just metaphors that are used, you know, the church, the body of Christ, children, you know, we can't get too dogmatic on the definitions. I think each each term is just a, a term of endearment to help us understand and to better illustrate the level of intimacy that he's trying to portray right. with us. That, yes, there's a spousal aspect to it. There's a, you know, you should love your own body or take care of it, right? Because if you don't, you know, you're going to suffer. You know, uh, you're supposed to love your children. You know, there are all, all these these terms that are used to help us to understand different aspects of the relationship. Figuratively. Figuratively, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And symbolically, yes. Symbol- but I think that there's also a literal aspect to the marriage Absolutely. there that, yes, there are symbolic, allegorical, you know, metaphorical language that's being used there, but I think that there's also uh, uh, a real, legitimate aspect to a literal aspect to that we are married to him, you know. That's right. As a collective body uh, that's right which is why when you accept Christ you get grafted into that body uh, you that is Israel according to Romans chapter 7 through 11 we're grafted into Israel because why Israel is the bride now when you read like Jeremiah chapter 3 and the book of Hosea and various other passages of the Old Testament it is very much marriage language it's like <laughs> I've told this story before but it's it's good for this week's portion also to repeat it is when my previous wife left me for another man, uh, I was really struggling, and I kept meeting these homeless people all the time. I kept seeing homeless people everywhere, and I believe that what we sow, we reap. And I have to believe now, looking back in retrospect, that everything that that Yahuwah was doing with me with these homeless people was designed to see how he was going to take care of me later. Because it's like, okay, are you going to take care of this homeless person or not? And I was struggling. I barely had any money, and whatever money I had, it felt like he was always telling me to give it away to these homeless guys. Um, and this one guy in particular I ended up sitting with, and after, you know, I, I wanted to hear a story. I'm like, you know, why are you in this position? You know, I want to help you, but, you know, talk to me. And he told me basically my story. He was telling me what he what he went wow. through that led to him being on the street was what I was going through at that moment. And I was like, wow, dude, your story is my story. I'm about to be where you are. <laughs> you know? wow. And he turns to me and says, you need to read the book of Hosea. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he preached to me for like 30 <laughs> minutes on the book of Hosea. And, and then when I finally, I couldn't receive at that time because I was in too much pain. Much later, when I went back and looked at Hosea, and Yahuwah was like, yeah, yeah dude, you want to know what I'm going through? Tell you what, bro, marry a harlot. <laughs> you know, you, you, you want to get the feel what yeah. I'm feeling, man? You, you're going to marry a harlot, and you're going to keep her. <laughs> you're gonna you know keep taking her back you know yeah uh and wow you know getting that understanding of that Yahuwah's heart breaks the same way a human heart breaks we're made in his image and his likeness 
when when a union is broken, when you have a marriage that is rent apart, and especially when there's a third party that comes in there, you know, and inserts themselves into that, you know, achad, right, and breaks it up, there's a lot of pain there. And Yahuwah yeah. was trying to illustrate that to Hosea. But the problem was right. for Yahuwah is he had promises that he had made that have to still be fulfilled through Judah. So he's just as upset with Judah as he or, as he was with the northern kingdom. You know, the southern tribe, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, with the southern tribe yeah. versus, you know, he, he he was just as mad with them as he was with the northern. Uh, but he had no obligation to stay in, you know, in the same kind of covenant with the northern kingdom that he had to with the southern kingdom to bring through his promises. So you get to Jeremiah 3 and he's like, you know, what? Wow, that's good. I've had enough. <laughs> you know, you guys are gone. Right, <laughs> so he divorces the northern kingdom, you know. But he had to keep with. But he, we see through the prophets, he's still not happy at all right. with what's happening right. with the southern kingdom. So, well, and why does he do this, Rob? Because of their, they were constantly um, aligning themselves with other nations, and as mm-hmm. a result, their yeah. compromise was that they would serve these other gods. They were more concerned right. with their political alliances than they were with their covenant relationship with Yah. And you were talking about marriage and how it's challenging, not to say difficult, but challenging to see yourself as the bride. And I think that has to do with a Western perspective of marriage Mm. versus an Eastern one, which in an Eastern perspective, marriage is basically an institution where two parties come together and they work together to fulfill that covenant vow. And this is really speaking of co-regency. And so a bride in the perspective of, or in Yah's eyes, according to scripture, is his co-regent, one who will rule and reign not only on earth, but also in the heavens with him. So it's someone who is a counterpartner to the blessings and the benefits of someone that is um, the benefactor, right? So Yah is our benefactor and we receive the benefits being a weaker vessel and him being a stronger ox. Well, we receive the benefit of being yoked to him. And so ultimately, I mean, that's just a synopsis of what it means in the Eastern mindset. But ultimately what you're looking at is co-regency versus, you know, wearing a long flowing gown and, you know, the whole bridal paradigm, uh, the Western bridal paradigm, which really, again, is not really connected to an Eastern paradigm. So Eastern paradigm is contractual. Hmm. It's more about the benefits the recipients receives as a result of being yoked to that individual. Mm, very good. You know, uh, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, there was a, uh, many people may have been become aware through the various crucibles we go through in life of what has become known as the uh, dark night of the soul. Uh, oh, I love it. There was a, I forget, it was like a, a monk, I forget the guy's name, that, that came up with that phrase. I mean, and it, it was a book? Hundreds of years ago. Uh, hundreds or thousands even, or over a thousand years ago. Yeah, John what, of the Cross, was it? Yeah, one of those guys. I always forget who it was. A 16th century Spanish mystic poet, mm-hmm, John of the Cross. That, maybe that's who it was. Uh, and that concept is very much uh, in the Song of Solomon, where he's like, you know, the, the, the husband pulls back and the bride is starts freaking out like where are you what what and she starts going crazy because the intimacy wow. that she once had is gone and she's and and he's testing her like are you just going to say i forget it and go run off and go find somebody else or are you going to try to find me like are are you going to mm. try to get back into that intimacy you know and 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 when i went through my own dark night of the soul uh, which was basically all of 2002 and 3 <laughs> uh for two full well, a year at least a year and a half 
uh, half of 2002 and all of 2003. And and I was in this, this season where Yahuwah put me in a place, brought me from Massachusetts uh, down to Texas. And, you know, through a series of circumstances, I won't get into everything, he, he, he provided some amazing things for me, including a job to pay for everything. And then I ended up losing that job because the guy who gave it to me, his son graduated from college and he gave his son my job. So he's like, sorry, I got to let you go. Uh, I'm like, oh, great. So now I got a new apartment, new car, and I'm in a new place, and I got no way to pay for any of it. And I'm I'm struggling to get work everywhere I can, and, and Yahoo was withholding from me. He was not letting me get work to save my life. I couldn't do it. No matter what I did, he wouldn't let me get a job. I'm like, you are withholding from me. You know, <laughs> I'm, It's not because I'm not trying here. You know, and he's like, "Well, I want you to spend time for me, with me." And I'm like, "Well, you got to provide for me." He says, "You spend time with me, I'll provide for you." I'm like, "Okay." Uh, And we got into this amazing intimacy where, and part of it was that the the apartment that he I don't want to take the whole show up telling stories, but was an amazing set of circumstances that led me to this fantastic 700 square foot apartment for you know as a single guy. That was all I needed, right? 700 square feet, it's yeah. great. But it was in a resort, like uh, apartment complex. I mean, there was like a, a, a three-tiered waterfall pool overlooking a lake with a fountain in it with a gym attached to it and this beautiful <clears throat> you know, rock lodge and right next to me in a ball. You were in the garden. I was in the garden, uh, yeah. but there was temptation everywhere. You know, I was a, a divorced you single guy, garden. and there were hot women like <laughs> everywhere. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to mess up here. <laughs> And so it forced me to lock myself in my apartment, basically, because if I went out, I knew there was going to be problems, you know. And so I'm like, okay, I'm locked into my apartment here. I can't go anywhere uh, because temptation's everywhere. And so he he did all these things. He orchestrated all these things where, yes, it was nice. It was beautiful. But there was temptation that I had to, you know, I could have yielded to, but it would have had its consequences. And I had enough of consequences at this point. I'm like, I don't need any more. I'm already, you know, banged up here. So it forced me to to basically do nothing but read my Bible a lot, cry a lot, and pray a lot. (laughs) That's all I did for, for a huge part of 2003. I would say from March to December. And in that season... I got so close with him that he was a very real, tangible presence. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he was right there. Like, I couldn't, I, I'm not going to say I could see him. There were times that I felt like I did. But there the, there was a noticeable, tangible presence that was very, and mm-hmm. we were having conversation all day long. And and, and I got, you, you talked about uh, sort of an apostolic, uh, uh, I, I assume, Pentecostal background. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. in the Baptist church that I grew up in, they taught against that. It was, I know, you know that that was the gifts of cessation. The gifts of spirit passed away with the apostles, you know, uh, which I disagreed with, but I didn't understand. And and specifically, I couldn't understand the gift of tongues, because I was like, well, how can something come out of my face that I don't know or understand? And so logically, you know, it didn't compute. There's no way I can I could figure that out. Long story short, I ended up getting it. And uh, when I finally got it. It, it came out because I was in my apartment. I was alone. It was just, you know, this wrestling match with God, this struggle. And he's like, look, just do it. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean just do it? <laughs> so when I finally just like I, I had, I mean, it was just a, this is, you don't want to be in my head. That's a scary place up there. So <laughs> I'm, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just going to like kind of try to shut myself down and everything that I'm thinking, you know, and just let whatever wants to come out, come out. And like for an hour, for an hour, 
hour. And it wasn't, I don't want to knock people that, you know, I I know a lot of people that that have the gift of of tongues typically have one or two, three, four phrases that they repeat. Yeah. And there may be a, a reason for that. I don't know. But mine wasn't like that. Mine was very free-flowing with syntax and and a a logic to it that I didn't understand, but there was was a cohesiveness. And and it was going on for an hour, and I was was just in my apartment doing it. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like, as long as I can stay out of the way, I'm just going to, like, wow, what's happening? Uh, And then my phone rang, and I was so terrified Mm. that if I answered it, I I didn't know if I could still speak English. So Mm. I was like, wow. I was like, oh, man, do I? uh, So... (laughs) I was like, I didn't want to stop it. So I'm like, well, and, and I was a little bit scared. So I picked the phone and I could still speak English. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then I hung up the phone after I got off whoever who, 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 that I was on with. And it continued. And, it, and that brought me into a deeper fellowship with him than, yeah. and understanding of scripture than I'd ever had before. And then he pulled the dark night of the soul on me and pulled, or I should say, mm-hmm. a, a, um, I was in the dark night of the soul, but he, he pulled a uh, song of Solomon on me and he pulled, he pulled away. And so I had this amazing intimacy, and then it was gone. And it's like I couldn't—I didn't feel like my, yeah. my my prayers didn't go past the ceiling. It felt like, and it was like, and I remember just weeping in my shower. I was in the shower on my face on the, on, in the in the bathtub, just crying with the water raining down on me. I'm like, Father, where are you? Like I can't feel you. I can't hear you. I can't sense you. And in at that moment, I believe he taught me. He told me what went wrong with my marriage. Because let's face it, even though she went and went with somebody else, it, it, there were reasons for that. There were, you know, I share the, the blame for some of it. Uh, it doesn't justify what she did, but I got to take responsibility for what I did. And when I was crying out to him, like, where are you? I need a word, a touch, anything just to know that you love me. And like oh he, he whispered in my ear, like I felt him, like he whispered in me, he goes, that's what a woman feels. Oh. Like, like, like that's why <laughs> I'm a workaholic. Mm. I was always out you know, working all the time and, you know, my ex is, you know, not my ex-wife now, uh, you know, was home and alone and, and not getting what she needed, you know, and like he, he, in an intimate marriage setting, like you're forsaking your fields. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, he explained to me th- through that yeah. experience. And that's the first time I understood the brideship of my relationship with, with yeah. him was that, you know, he is the the husband, if you will. And is it, if we take out male and female, just take those words That's out right, of the equation. Yeah. And I like the way you described it. Uh, A benefactor. The, the understanding of the intimacy of the relationship. He he's like, I, I got it. Then. Like I can read books, like his needs, her needs, and stuff. I can read books and intellectually understand. Okay, she has needs, I have needs. I get that. But to experience it was a whole different ballpark. You know right there so and maybe this is helping somebody out there but th- this is oh, this is me <laughs> absolutely yeah so uh, i'll let you comment on anything there and then i want to ask you about the oh. uh, next commandment okay you just songs of solomon first of all thank you for being vulnerable i think that's what's needed um it's desperately needed uh, alongside all of the knowledge that we're acquiring in this season which is obviously advancing, but we also need that heartfelt connection to the information that we're acquiring so that it becomes really deeply seated in the seedbed of our heart. And so we want that word to become vibrant and alive, and we want it to be expressed in who we are so that we can, again, express 
our king. And uh, you were talking about Songs of Solomon, while the Shulamite, she was aroused internally to remember her beloved. And so she pursued him. She was being drawn by the memory. And And through the process of that experience, she was forsaking all her other lovers, or she was saying, have you seen my beloved? She went through a lot. I mean, just the whole, we could go on Songs of Solomon, just, you know, five hours alone, but she had, she had experienced a lot of, uh, tribulation, if you will, as a result of her persistent uh, desire to find her beloved. You know, I like when she says, catch for me, the little foxes that spoil the vine. Um, sounds to me like that's what Yah was doing. He was really dealing with all those little foxes in your heart that would in fact spoil the vine once you're that, you know, your garden flourished. And so it's beautiful, but I really like looking at Yah as a benefactor. Uh, He's my benefactor, and I'm the beneficiary. I'm the one who benefits from my relationship with him. Mm. And this bridal paradigm really fits into that. But uh, you were also talking about divorce, and I wanted to speak on that for just a quick second. You know, again, looking at it from an Eastern perspective uh, or ancient Near Eastern times, divorce was literally a, a death. And, and I think we fail to understand that today with our, again, a, a Western perspective where it says, yeah, if you don't like, yeah, just get divorced. If you're arguing too much, you can't work through it, just get divorced. But no, it really was a death. Why? Because when the two came together in union and were working towards fulfilling those vows, the vows were living until, you know, they were actually alive until they were fulfilled or complete. So if the two parties separated, that was two flesh that was being separated, there was a death. It was a death experience. So I'm sure the pain that you were feeling was not just betrayal, right? But it was also this, you were feeling, you were grieving as if someone had died. And that was also including you in the relationship. Uh, One last thing, Um, biblically speaking, politically speaking, I have um, gone through the various kings of the Bible and presented on them. And what I've discovered was that when a man would sleep with another a man's wife uh that was considered treason because the individual was usurping that man's position it happened to various kings where an individual would try to for example reuben when he slept with his father's concubine he lost his birthright because that was an act of treason although he would receive uh, if his father passed away, he would receive the concubines or he would receive uh, the uh, the um, harem, if you will, of, of his father's uh, wives. But it wasn't until the father passed away and then he became uh, the rightful ruler. So really, I don't think men understand that when that happens to them, it's literally an act of treason in which the man is being usurped. Your position as a king of your own household or a jurisdiction, you know, the jurisdiction has been violated and you are being usurped. It's an act of treason. So a lot of things that have to heal on those levels. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that. You know, another thing, you had mentioned in this week's Torah portion about um, having no other gods before us, right? No Elohim Achri, no other gods. And it's interesting in Exodus 18:9, Jethro uh, he makes uh, a declaration stating that uh, you know Moses explains all that Yah had done for him, and Jethro, being a pagan, right? Um, I forgot what was he exactly. 
<clears throat> I can't remember what uh, what he practiced, but uh, he makes an uh, an exclamation stating that uh, there is no other Elohim besides Yah, that he is mm-hmm. the one and he is far surpassing all the other gods. He makes this declaration, but in verse 12, it says that uh, Jethro uh, takes a burnt offering and sacrifices unto Yahuwah as the one true living Elm. And you know what comes to mind? When I read that, um, Rob was Romans 14, 11, for it is written as I live, saith Yahuwah, that every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to Elohim. So surely, Rob, we do serve a mighty Elohim who will show his favor to all those who hear and obey his commandments. And um, even the name Jethro, since this is uh, one of those Torah portions that is named after a person, well, that word Jethro means abundance, but did you know that it's rooted in Yatar, which means a remnant, a remainder, or to preserve alive, a preservation? So it's interesting that he's going to preserve that seed line, right? He's going to preserve that seed line for his good purpose. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about those few things. They may seem out of order, but I was responding to all that you had said. Yeah, that's good. Uh Somebody in the chat room said, it's cool that God speaks to Rob. I wonder if I don't know how to listen. I hear that a lot, mm-hmm. actually. Um, <clears throat> and and uh, the person in the chat room, uh, uh, Charlie, thank you for bringing that up. It, it reminds me of an interesting story, actually. I was in, uh, when I was a missionary, in uh, I was in Singapore. And we as believers tend to often talk in Christianese, right? We have our own internal language. You know, I'm on fire for God. I get, you know, what? You know, you know <laughs> we, we have these uh, figures of speech that we use, right? And and I, I can very often you know, freely say, you know, and, you know, I, I told God this and he said that, like, it, as if I'm having a conversation like I am with you, you know. I, you know, I said this and Jessica said that. Well, people can observe both of us talking here. They can hear me talking and they can hear you responding and vice versa. Uh, what does that look like with God? And I, I was having a similar conversation, you know, along these lines with uh, another missionary at a table. We were standing uh, at this place in Singapore, and I could see in my peripheral vision this this guy that was kind of hovering, in, you know, back and forth, like he was listening in on our conversation, right? And he, he after a while, he couldn't take it anymore, and he he came over to our table, pulled up a chair, got right in my face. He goes, "You talk to God." And I said, I said, yeah. And he goes, and he talks back to you? I said, yeah. I said, and, and, and I just felt inspired at that moment. I said, as a matter of fact, he's talking to me right now. And he said, wow. he said, he is? What's he saying? I said, he's saying he wants the same relationship with you that he has with me. You wow. Know? Uh, and it's, it was an opportunity that I had because of that to have a, a, a witnessing relationship with this guy that I, you know I never, I'll never see again probably until eternity. Uh, you know, was, we I didn't have a lot of time to spend with so him, refreshing. but I was able to say to him because we had very little time there. Uh, I said, "Listen, you know, if your desire is to have a relationship with God, His desire even more is to have a relationship with you. So here's a prayer that I mm. want you to pray: God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me." in tangible ways that I can't deny. I have mm. found that if you pray that way, he wants to do that, you know? Mm. And, and then all you have to be is, you know, open to listen, you know? And what is that? I th- I don't know if it sounds the same for everybody. I, I don't. I only know my own experience. And I believe he speaks to us um, kind of in a sense through our own personality. Like, 
the way I speak, the way I think is the way he communicates with me. You know, like he, he will communicate with me in ways that I can understand. I guess maybe that's the best way. And he, and he uses it, and this will get to our next commandment, actually. He uses things for me uh, to communicate, like in media. I am, I am gifted and hardwired yeah. in the arts entertainment world. That's everything in me is, is lined up that way. You know, that that's my passion, you know, that's, that's my gifting. And so a lot of times he'll, you know, like if he, if he wants, there was one time he said to me and it was, it was, what does it look like? What is it? What does it sound like? Um, I, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe you can explain your experience when I'm done, but it's it's this still voice, this still quiet voice that, and it is a still quiet voice. It's it's mm-hmm. it'll never try to compete with the noise around you. So, it it, like, it like the noise around you will overpower that still small voice, which is why many people have to go to the wilderness. They have mm-hmm. to get to where there's none of the hustle and bustle of of city life or family life or business or whatever you're you're doing. You got to get away from all that. To it's nothing out there but you and crickets, you know, and and birds and whatever in nature. Uh, and that's why I like to go to the nature preserve, you know, uh, and go for walks and just spend time out there alone, or you know, get in the desert, you know, go climb a mountain and just sit there. And he'll start speaking to me. But there are other times where he where if he's trying to really get a point to me, and I'm not in the wilderness, I'm not alone somewhere, and he's trying to get to me. He'll just keep, you know, in the in those moments of silence between the hustle and bustle, he'll give me this prompting that becomes this overwhelming sense like, I got to just do this, whatever it is. And there was one time where he said to me, at, the, at that time, there were only five Rocky movies out at, the, at, at that time. And he says, he said to me, watch all five Rocky movies, like in a row. So I'm sitting there. And, and for like a week, I get this, this pre- impression upon me, like, I got to watch all five Rocky movies. So uh, I'm like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll watch them. So it's like it was like this nagging, I got to watch all five. So I'm like, okay, all right. So I, I took a, a weekend and I just sat there and I watched all five Rocky movies. And at first I'm like, well, I mean, enjoy Rocky. I like the movies. They're, they're, it, what are you trying to show me here? Did I hear wrong? Yeah. Is it just, uh, but as as the story progressed, I started to weep. I started to cry. I started to realize this is not about boxing. Mm-hmm. And as I come to find out later, much later, uh, in fact, I had a dream that was so vivid that, that it felt like it was an open vision that I was sitting in front of Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone and I was describing some of the things that I'm going to talk about here. Uh, and he said, nobody has ever got that. Nobody understood that. That's exactly what I was trying to, to say here through this allegory of this character. And in... Uh, the underdog enduring. Yeah, so I have this whole... Well, it, there's a lot to it, and it, in the, yeah. it, like in the first Rocky movie, it, it's sort of like what Yeshua came to do the first time. And later, much later, mm-hmm. uh, I ended up writing the Mount Herman, uh, doing the presentation, the Mount Herman Roswell connection DVD, where I was making the connection of what happened at Mount Herman with what happened to Roswell, New Mexico, and tying it together by what happened with Yeshua and the disciples at Caesarea Philippi when he said. Do you love me? I mean, who do men say? What do men say about me? Or who do men say that I am? And it says he took them to the top of a high mountain. Well, as a result of watching Rocky, I understood the Mount of Transfiguration in a, in a, a way only maybe Rob Skiba could understand at the time. Uh, and he was showing me deep revelation through a movie because that's how I'm wired, you know. 
uh, that's how I receive. And when, there are other times where I was like, God, I just need a word from you. I need to know that you love me. I need to feel it. And I would get in my car, and wow. the first song that comes on is Bon Jovi saying, and I, I'll, I will always love you repeatedly on the chorus, you know? Like, like, so this is what I'm just trying to explain to people what, what, it's, what it's like for me. So good. Like how he speaks to me. Maybe you can share a little bit. You know, how does he speak to you? Maybe give a few examples of what that looks like. How do you understand and know that this isn't Jessica's voice? This yeah. is Yahuwah speaking to you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Rob, uh, man, this is so good. This is really good. Oh, man, I love it. Okay. So um, I am a little unique in the sense that I truly believe, I am fully convinced that I have a prophetic gifting. And my grandmother, my great-grandmother had these giftings. It's biblical. And so uh, I am a seer. I'm a seer. And it's a gift. And so I see. I don't actually hear audible voices, but I do see, and I see, I've had to exercise this gifting for many, many years. Um, but I can see clearly and I have discernment. And so actually did a couple of shows. Um, I'm working on this series for spiritual warfare. And one of them was, um, discernment. And then the one I did last Tuesday was, um, pulling down strongholds. And it really talks about differentiating between the various voices or, uh, the, uh, prince of the power of the air that tries to counsel, uh, the heart of the man, which was is to govern your actions, your behavior, um, your will. And I don't know if you know this, but in Hebrew, the the word for heart is leb. Mm -hmm. And leb is synonymous with your will. In fact, in Greek, this word for will, heart, your will, your desires, is Thelema. And I'm sure that you know all about the book of Thelema, written by Aleister Crowley, a self-professed mm -hmm. Satanist, yeah. who writes this book, the book of Thelema. Well, that's the Greek word for the heart or the desires or the will. So do as you will, he says. This is what Aleister Crowley preaches is the whole of their law is to do as you will, to follow your heart, right? But what we fail to understand is that the soul of the man is not uh, fragmented, but is a whole. It's supposed to be whole. That means that the two compartments of the soul are the heart and the mind. In the mind, and the the place of the of the mind is where you communicate with one spirit or another. You're going to communicate with an internal counselor. It's where you conceive information. It's where you dialogue and think. It's where all your thoughts are. And when your thoughts are lined up with your heart, which the world does not want. They want you fragmented. They want you not to use your mind, right? They want you not to think critically. Rather, they want you to be governed simply by your desires. It's called hedonism, right? So they want you to be pulled by your desires. And this is why commercialism is so important in this world, because if they can get you to, to uh, if they can drive you, right, by your lust of the flesh, the you know, lust of the eye, the very sensual element of your being, then they can hook you. They can keep you uh, enslaved. And then they benefit off of that. But when Yah speaks to us, he speaks to us in various forms. Again, based on, I, I believe, how he created us to be a recipient, to receive that information so that he can transpose it and it becomes real to us. 
So I think everybody's going to be a little different. But whether you have visions or dreams or you hear um, these audible expressions or but it should always line up. We want to test the spirit. We should it should always line up with what the word is saying. And I like the way you were talking about how every time he showed you something in the natural, he lined it up with something in the spiritual, for example, Hosea, and he tied in. And so you begin to relate to that experience of you know, being in a, in a very difficult situation where your heart was being broken and you were being forced to look beyond that infraction and to continue to love and persevere in the midst of it all. And so I think, again, it's important that we learn to be still, that we learn to really discern the voice of reason, because Yahusha says, or Yeshua says, that he has given to us the Holy Spirit um, and that the Holy Spirit acts even as a comforter and a counselor he acts in many ways, but but the comforter and the counselor are two things we can focus on when it comes to dialogue, that, that his ruach or his spirit dwells inside of us, not only to comfort us in the midst of uh, this world that is very pressing, but also to counsel us. And this is the wise counsel. And um, only if you're comfortable, we can talk about the seed, but the serpent seed. But if we go back to Genesis, we see that that what the serpent was doing is exactly what I mentioned earlier, usurping Adam's position by um, luring his wife or his bride away, right? Fornicating with her in some sort of way in which he was sowing his seed. That was a seed of discord, right? A double-minded man. So we know, at least I believe, that this is what was happening, that he was sowing a seed into the heart, the seedbed of the woman. How? by counseling to her, by speaking to her and acting like God, you know, the counselor, the great counselor, but he was, and so sin quenches the spirit. And so as he's sowing his seed, that seed gets into uh, her heart and compels her desires. We see that in Genesis three, where it says, then she saw that the tree was good. It changed her paradigm, Rob. When she took in this counsel from the serpent, it changed her visual perspective. It changed her perspective. And then the, the lie began to take its course, that uh, cancer began to work quickly, right? That poison. And then she says that she sees, right, that the tree is desirable. So we see then her desires were now uh, working in an effect. So her desires, no more logic, no more reasoning, but just simply her desires. And she lusted for it. And that word there is also lust. One more thing. Um, that word is, uh, 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 what is it? Um, the lust of the grave, the lust of the grave. Um, kit, kit, I can't think of it. Uh, lusts of the grave. Hang on for just a second. Uh, kit, kit, I can't think of it. Anyways. Um, oh, yeah, here we go. Kibroth ha ta'ava. Kibroth ha atava. So kibroth ha atava, or the lust of the grave, is a term or a name that was given to the place where the children lusted for quail. And Yah gave them a, an abundance of quail and they died there and they buried those people there who were lusting for, you know, more. And they called that place Kibroth Ha-Atava. Well, what's interesting is that the very word Ha-Atava is the word that's used to describe the lusts that Hava or the woman experienced, the lust of the grave, right? This lusting that she desired, that when she looked at the tree. So we can see then that the serpent is vying for the the seat 
the seat uh, of, of, of our heart. He wants to counsel us. He wants to guide us. He wants to lead us and direct us, but only based on the desires of our heart. So when we get still, Rob, when we get quiet, Yah is not going to entertain those lusts. Rather, he's going to expose them so that, guess what? Our thoughts, we have the mind of Mashiach, the mind of Christ. Our thoughts line up with his thoughts. And as our thoughts, having that mind, line up with his, our desires will be mm -hmm. to do his will. Our desires will now line up with his desire, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really about the heart and the mind coming together and becoming one, so that we're now governed by wise counsel. So when I hear from Yah, usually he gives me a revelation or he gives me vision about something, and then he will confirm it through his word or he'll confirm it like with you with the movie Rocky. He does that to me too because I'm a visual learner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good point too. Like different people uh, learn in different ways. You said visual learning. Yeah. I, I'm a very much audio, audio visual Audible. learning. You know, mm -hmm. uh, hearing by the word of God, they say, you know, I can read it. And, and get I have good retention skills when I read uh, and study mm -hmm. that way. But if I hear somebody else reading it, I tend mm -hmm. to something else. And, and if you can add visuals to it, man, I'm I'm mm -hmm. a, I'm a sponge. I'm just I'm absorbing yes. all of it. And you also Same. talked about the uh, desires of your heart, and you know, seek first the kingdom and all His righteousness, and He will give us the desires of our heart. I, I think I think that's two. There's there's two components to that. I think that there's a co-laboring aspect to it where you have your natural desires that you, you want to do. And so long as they're not in violation of the commandments, they're good. You know, there's nothing, if they, if they don't violate the commandments, I don't see anything wrong with them, right? You have a desire to paint, to sculpt, to produce music, to, to, to make movies, to cook, to just be whatever, you know, whatever your desire is. You know, I think that's a, that's a good thing, but I think also your desires can change. Uh, that you I, like, I never wanted to be a missionary. They people used to say, you know, prophesy over me or, or, or declare, you know, you should be a missionary because I was always very evangelical. I never had a problem sharing my faith and had uh, was pretty good at it. You know, a lot of my friends I was able to to lead to Christ and whatnot, and they would say you should be a missionary. I'm like, I don't want to be a missionary. I'm going to end up in Zimbabwe, and, you know, someplace. And you know, I, that was the last thing I ever wanted, right? <laughs> no way, I don't want that. I want nothing to do with that. Yeah. Uh, but flash forward to 2004. Next thing you know, I'm I'm an international missions organization traveling to you know all over the world, you know. And I didn't get to Zimbabwe, but I did make it to Kenya. Uh, and every place that I ended up. You know, Cuba, Kazakhstan, Albania, man, China, Africa. Wow. Uh, you know, all these places that I went to, I loved it. Like, each one was unique. Each one had incredible experiences and people that I was able to encounter. And, you know, here I am at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro working with Maasai warriors. And I'm going, like, wow, God, how did this happen? You know, like, you know, but he, he, that was not a desire of my heart, you know. Never. None of that was, that was way off my radar. But after a year of spending time with God, when the opportunity, you know, in 2003, I spent that time alone with him. When the opportunity in 2004 came up to do that, mm -hmm. he, my desire had changed. You know, he, mm -hmm. that was literally, I was seeking first him, his kingdom and his righteousness. I, I was seeking that and he gave me that desire. Yes. You know, is it fair to say, though, can I ask you, is it fair to say that you were really not too sure of who you were back then and were discovering um, by following his lead? And as a result of following him, he began to show you who he created you to be? Yeah. Uh, yes, I would agree with that in the sense that 
I needed a correction, a course correction. Mm, course correction. Of, like it. I had a, you know, what may sound like a noble ambition of doing, you know, making movies and TV shows for God. I want to do this for you, God. I want, you know, I was making passion plays and doing all this. I was doing all that for Him. That was, that was my goal, my my ambition, my motivation. I want to do this for you. Yeah. Which I think is good, but better is, you know, that's cool, Rob. But what if I could do something through you? I like it. So instead of me doing making a movie for God, what if He could make a movie through me? Like, right. and and I it took over six years in the mission field to get that because not, not, he didn't just make me a missionary, which which I think I would have really enjoyed and been cool with that, but he made me a multimedia director of of the international missions organization, such that when I was in the mission field, yes, I got embedded with the missionaries and did what they did, you know, work with the orphans or did this or church planters or you know I did what they did, but I also had the camera with me to document it. And so when I came back, having experienced it, having actually done the work, I had an understanding of the work, you know, intimately, because I did it, such that I could craft the video in a way that wasn't just a third party looking out at other people doing stuff. It was, I did that stuff. So I could, mm. I could more accurately convey through the video what it was that the missionaries were doing. So in effect, I was making movies. These were not the movies that I had ever dreamed of thinking I would even want to do. But it occurred to me after after my first assignment in Cuba and when I made the first video, I was like, wow, God, like, I'm making movies. Like, uh, what happened? And this is the, this is the truth. Because I, 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 I was, wow, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. Mm. Uh, it's so good. I was, it's so good. The, the first, my first trip, my first assignment was Cuba, and I'm down there, and I had spent a week. We saw 800 people come to Christ in in like 10 days. It it was like wow, you know. I mean, we're going door to door. We're knocking, and and you know, it says that he prepares. He sometimes, sometimes you're preparing the ground. Sometimes you're planting the seed. Sometimes you're watering a seed somebody else planted. And every now and then, you got the privilege of harvesting. I love and, that. And some of those, I got to see all of it, like in one meeting. <laughs> you know, this one, this one house we went to, I'll never forget. I get to this house, and th- this woman was there, and uh, she was a little leery, like, "Who are these people? Who are these Americans coming to my house? And this guy's got a camera. What's what's going on here?" You know, um, and and we were dodging guys with AK-47s out out and about before we ended up here. You know, uh, so when we start to share what we were there for. She starts crying. She says, "Wow, wow!" And she this is alternate interpretation now. And this is God says a humor too. When I was in high school, take, they're trying to t- teach me Spanish. I'm like, "What do I need Spanish for? I'm never leaving the country." <laughs> you know, <laughs> let them learn my language, right? And here I am now, you know, 10, 15 years later, whatever it was, you know, in a third world Spanish speaking country, going, "Man, I wish I spoke Spanish." <laughs> but you know, I'm working through uh, interpreters, and um, and this woman's all excited because she said that she had a, a dream, a vision that that she was going to have visitors that day. So she woke up early and cleaned her whole house. She didn't know what was up. She just knew she was going to have visitors. And and she had this yearning to understand God, but she didn't really know how to place it. She didn't know what, it, what really what it meant or whatever. So here we have these visitors come that are sharing with her about God. And she's like, wow. And her and her, her uh, I think it was her daughter, well, they were ready to pray and, and receive Christ when her husband came home. And he comes in the door and he's like, what's going on here? Who are these people? What's happening here? You know, uh, 
and she starts sharing all excited you know this is what's happening and and he he his eyes got big and he sat down and he said that he was at work and while he was at work he just felt this prompting like i got to get home i don't know why but i just i got to get home so like he left work early he did everything he could to get home he get there and he sat there and apparently they had been having conversations maybe in the past trying to understand what god is and how that works and here we are you know so he we went through the whole thing again with him and so they all prayed right there i saw this whole family pray and the the instantaneous change that i saw in these people you know and they're wow. they're seriously oppressed you know people under communism there uh like these were like they were practically glowing in the room like wow and wow. so i saw how he had prepared the way in advance with whatever was going on with them before we got there uh in every way prepared the w- prepared for us to to go there plant the seed water it and harvest it right all at the same time wow. and i had several experiences like this but just to 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 drive the point home i tell that story but at the end toward the end of the trip uh we were working with this one pastor who had a house church and he literally turned his whole house into a church. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was like meeting in a living room. It's, no, he turned his house into a church. And it wasn't very big, but it was filled to capacity with people overflowing out the windows and out the, the door, you know, trying to, to listen in. And I was out in, the, in, out in front of the house, and I could see the overflow out the front door. And I could see way, you know, inside the house, the pastor preaching through all these heads, you know. And I'm like, wow, what a cool shot. So I zoom in on the shot of the guy preaching, and then I did a slow zoom out, slow zoom to all the heads passing by till I get to the to the whole house in frame. And one of our interpreters, who was a Cuban, but she, she was one of our interpreters, had a T-shirt on. And on the back of her T-shirt, she had a quote from Gladiator, the movie Gladiator. On the back of her T-shirt, it said, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And it, ooh, ooh, man, it's hit me again. R- right as I zoomed out and saw that through my camera lens, it was like mm-hmm. y- Yahuwah shot an arrow out of heaven <laughs> right into my heart, and, like, it knocked me down. Like, I had to shut the camera off and, like, hit the wall and just start weeping. Like, I'm like, wow, God. Like, I'm making movies. I'm a missionary. I'm in Cuba. Like, how did this happen? <laughs> you know, like, like, I was so filled with amazing joy that that I was, you know, it goes back to the giving you the desires. My desire, my heart, Rob Skiba's heart, since I saw Star Wars, was to make movies. You know, I want to make movies. His desire was, yeah, but I want to do it through you so that I can reach the nations so that we can bring people into the kingdom, my kingdom. And here I was doing that. What we do in life echoes in eternity, and I see all these people piling into a house church. I'm like, man, now here we are doing virtual house church, right? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> you know, so... When you seek first the kingdom, he will give you. Yeah. Like, this was a twofold desire. It was Rob Skiba's saw Star Wars desire, and it was Yahuwah's desire to do stuff through me, through media. Yeah. He gave both to me after I sought first the kingdom and didn't have any other gods before because our dreams, ambitions, our job, our family, these can become gods. He says, Have no That's other right. God before me. Oof. You know? Absolutely. You said something very vital. I wrote it down. In regards to your experience working in uh, cinematography or video, what did you call it? Video, video work, Mul- right? Multimedia director at that time. Multimedia director. You said that you felt capable to do this because you had an intimate knowledge. In other words, you had experience. Yes. And you had experience. So you were able to actually produce as a result of that intimate knowledge or that experience. And that takes us back to the word of Yah and having an intimate knowledge 
a working knowledge. That's where faith comes in, right? Because faith without this working knowledge is dead. It's just knowledge that puffs up. But when that faith becomes expressive and it begins to work itself in our lives, then it actually can bless others. Then we can actually be doers of the word. And wow, what a great parallel to that truth. Your life becoming a parallel to the kingdom to become a living seed. And I think that's really what it's all about. So that your faith is actually being sown into the lives of others. And another thing too, you were talking about the the status of the people such that they were impoverished by their circumstances, but yet here they were disregarding that. Yeah. And they, why? Because Paul talks about this prosperity, right? We see this counterfeit prosperity being taught in these mega churches, right? And they teach prosperity and they teach, you know, self-modification and uh, behavior control and psychology and whatnot in order to get you to change your behavior, right? But not the internal dialogue, not your desires. You don't change your desires, but you can change your behavior, right? You can modify it, make it look as though you are pious, but in fact, the desire in the heart is not lining up with his desires for you. What's interesting is that Paul talks about this prosperity. He says that the prosperity that we're to be teaching is the message of hope. And it's interesting, again, you go to this place where these people are, are you know, impoverished, and yet you come with the message of hope, and they become enriched, mm-hmm. and they respond to that wealth of hope, the yeah. hope that is in Yahusha, right? The word says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. Really good stuff. Um, I mean, Paul. (laughs) I called you Paul. (laughs) uh, Well, that's an honor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Every time I talk to you, Rob, it's like a living conversation. It's not just us, you know, reviewing information and going over and teaching the people. But it's a living, it's a conversation is alive. And I get so excited. Man. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Some, somebody in the chat room uh, was, again, asking about how how he speaks to us. And, uh, you know, I I believe he speaks through promptings, like like in the case of Watch Rocky. You know, that was a prompt. Sure. That was like, I don't know why, but I feel like I got to do this. Um, through external messaging, you know, uh, sometimes it's a word to other people. We'll, we'll, a lot of times he speaks to us through us. Um, and in fact, when I was part of this uh, scripture-based self-help program, there was a, a thing that we did in a, a part four is a multi-weekend deal on the fourth weekend one where I said, you know, I really believe that God speaks to us through us. And so we would spend, you know, three weekends with people in small groups. They get to really intimately know each other. They didn't know each other when they came into the room. But through sharing, you know, traumatic experiences and, and working through healing together, you, you bond, you know. And so a lot of times, you know, we have a lot of negative self-talk, you know, th- mm-hmm. th- that we deal with. And we don't see in ourselves many times what other people see in us. Like, man, how can you not see this? You have, yeah. you're such a gifted person. What? I said, so you know what? You guys have been with each other through this experience for these four weekends. I said, now, I want to take the next 30 minutes, you know, and typically the small groups are like five people, so we could go through it in a reasonable amount of time. And I want, you know, you to say to you, you know, get pair two people up, share with them what you believe God sees in them. Mm. You know, so it's twofold there. It's like, Father, help me to see this person through your eyes. That So that that's ministering to you. 
Like, because when we see other people, and I'm guilty of not doing this enough, is is you know in that environment I can do it because I prepare myself to do it. But out in, out in life, I don't always do that. Help me to see these people through your eyes, because you know I'm I have a short temper. I get you know riled up pretty quickly, you know. But if I could see that person through his eyes, you know, maybe I could see yeah. well the hurt people, hurt people. Maybe they got issues, you know, whatever. You know, there's different ways. And so, but I would tell this you know person A, ask the father to show you what he sees in that person. And then you speak it to that person. And you, person B, don't say anything. <laughs> Just sit there and listen. You know? Receive it. And then flip it. Okay, B, now you do the same thing to A. You know, so he speaks to us through us, I believe. Um, he can give confirmation or added insight. You know, Absolutely. Like uh, I'm a big believer in laying out the fleece. So when I have a prompting, let's say mm-hmm. he sp- if he speaks to me in a prompting, well, I want to know, is that him or is that me? You know? Because, yeah. you know, maybe I want that, you know. So, Father, if it's really you, then please confirm this in undeniable ways. Like, that I know I can't take credit for it, that I'm going to like, that's God. You know, that he did that. Yeah. Um, uh, through dreams and visions, as you mentioned, uh, many times he speaks through dreams and visions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that still. Prophetically. Sh- yeah, prophetic. There's that still small voice that's just, you know, way, you know, subdued in there that when you're quiet and, and you're out of the noise of the environment, you hear that that you didn't hear before. Um, yeah. And then other times there's an urgent command. Like I've had that where yeah. I was, at, I was speed, I was uh, facilitating the entire room. You know, sometimes as a trainer, you do sm- uh, small groups of five people as a director, you do the whole room. You know, you're, you're facilitating the teaching for the weekend. And I was, uh, we had just come off of one teaching and we're getting ready to go into another one. And we're having sharing uh, sessions. Like, what did you get out of that last one? And people were sharing. And this this one woman got up and shared something. It, w- it was dealing with, you know, w- w- if you died right now, what would it be like to experience, you know, sort of the, uh, I can only imagine that song, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what, what, what would it be like if you could stand before him? And, you know, this one woman stood, back, stood up and said, I, I, I wouldn't want to come back. I wouldn't, you know, if I could have that experience right now, I wouldn't want to come back. And I said, well, why? She goes, mm-hmm. well, because I live my life in pain. I'm, and she had fibromyalgia mm-hmm. and all kinds of other ailments. And, and she, um, she come into the room in a wheelchair. Uh, she had been through three. Uh, this was the third weekend. Uh, she came through the first two weekends in a wheelchair and was in the wheelchair off and on uh, for for part three. And when she said that, I heard this several times. This happened to me. I'll give two examples. This is one of them. Uh, he said, "Heal her." Like I heard it. Like mm-hmm. heal her. <laughs> you know. And I said, "You know what, guys? This is not part of the curriculum. We're off book right now." Uh, I'm just going to say I really believe that the father wants to heal her right now and this other woman stood up and said me, me too and I said well come forward at this point if you don't <laughs> if you don't believe I'm going to ask you to please leave if you do believe I want you to stretch forth your hand in, in agreement you know and, and it wasn't about a prayer it was by the blood of the lamb and the, you know by the power of the Holy Spirit you are healed that was it boom and later that night there was we had sort of a celebration party she came in the room dancing and doing cartwheels what? and I saw her probably six months later and she was still walking in, like walking and in her healing, literally still walking. Uh, I don't know so much about the second one, but I know that that first one uh, definitely received her healing. Um, and so that for me, that was an audible, like do it now. And the other one, I had this guy that for three weekends couldn't get through this guy. Um, and he was a, a, an older gentleman and he was in my small group and I, I was working the small group at that time and I'm praying. I'm like, father, you know, the weekend's almost over with, I don't know what this guy needs. Like I can't, I can't figure out what his block is. 
you know, and there was, he started rambling on about something and we're running out of time and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And I just heard an audible voice, like say, ask him about 1967. Okay. Now that's very specific, you know, ask him about 1967. I heard it, it was like, like a dude came up to me and said that in my ear, you know? And I, so I just stopped. And I said, dude, tell me about 1967. And the guy like stopped, like, 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 I can't believe you just said that. Yeah. And then he snapped and happened to start bawling like a baby. And it's a big dude. He just started crying. He said, I killed a lot of people. And he was he was in Vietnam as a Christian. And he couldn't reconcile being a believer and having to kill that many people, you know, as an infantry guy in Vietnam. Now, this was a multi-phased thing that God was doing here because uh, I'm a veteran myself. My dad was in Vietnam. He was a Vietnam veteran, and you know, and I knew many people who were Vietnam veterans, and you know, I was there for the dedication of the wall in Vietnam, and heard so many stories and everything. So, I was the only person in that building uniquely qualified to deal with this guy, and he ended up in my mm. in my group, you know. But I had to hear that because I'm praying like, Father, I need you to tell me what this guy needs, because I don't know. And that was a very specific prayer with a very specific answer that broke this guy and got him the victory that he needed, you know. So, there. In my experience, these are the ways that um, that he speaks to us. Yes, you know the the Holy Spirit is prophetic. We have to understand what prophetic means. And again, we're undoing a lot of the damage from our previous. Well, I don't want to. We're unlearning, right? Yeah. We're unlearning and learning at the same time. So let me just say that we're unlearning a lot of stuff. And unfortunately, uh, there have been. Um, hirelings and wolves uh, who have come before us, right, and then have uh, sort of given these things a bad rap, you know. Um, no, all we need is a literal knowledge. That's it of of the Bible, right? Like you said, coming. I went to a Baptist school. I don't know if you know this, but you came from a Baptist background. Yeah. Well, I went to a Baptist school, and I majored in uh, psychology and minored in Christian counseling. So I have a degree as a Christian counselor. I also have a degree in nutrition and dietetics. And so I work with lots of women I have for many years, um, especially um, I'm certified in uh, addictions as a, an addiction specialist. So I, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. But some of these things have been taught erroneously so a lot of people especially in this movement whatever you call it um they they try to stay away from those things because they think oh no no you know uh, that, that's yeah. part of the christian church or whatever there's just a lot of stuff so i really like that you're talking about this because having that a uh, working knowledge of being the holy spirit being prophetic that simply means that it expresses a live working communication right this visual this audible whatever the case may be, but you do you realize that one of the first attributes of himself, Yah himself, one of the first attributes that he reveals to people in the book of Genesis is that Yahuwah Amar, God speaks. Mm -hmm. God speaks. I speak to my people. And this is why he gave us the Holy Spirit when he breathed that Neshama Chai or that spirit of life into the Adam so that he could commune with the man. And so the Holy Spirit really is this element of communication. It's helped us to help us understand and communicate with God, which I think is a very real thing, uh, Rob. And, you know, again, having this prophetic ability was even Moses. I, I wish that all of you could hear from God and be mm -hmm. prophets, right? It just means to hear. Yeah. And 
the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can shema, so that we can hear him speak. However that looks, you have to, that person, I'm talking to the audience, have to figure it out. When I was young, in the way, um, I used to journal a lot as part of my um, my own recovery, but also learning as, um, you know, when I was in school, we learned to, to journal and to write, you know, what we were feeling and expressing, uh, I mean, experiencing at the time. And I would take scripture. This is how it started, Rob. I would take scripture in my Bible and I would write, you know, it says he's talking to Paul or to Amos or something. And I would write, you know, cross out that name Amos and I put Jessica, you know, as if he was speaking directly to me, you know. And so I began to identify with the scriptures that way. But then once I started journaling, like, okay, God, I'm feeling this. Okay. Yeah. I'm feeling that I'm going through this or whatever. Then I would allow, I would take scripture like from the book of Psalms and write it in response to my circumstance. Then from there, I started to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through me, through writing. And, uh, you know, I would allow him to minister his word to me. I would take the scriptures and speak them over myself. You know, Jessica, why are you so downcast? Put your hope in Yah, you know, and then it began to develop into this real and genuine dialogue in which I not only can hear him lead me in a particular, like you said, um, this unction, that's really the, the word is this unction. You feel this unction where he's leading you directly. And then there's times where he's revealing something to you. Then there are times where he's delivering you or healing you, uh, or he's utilizing you. Uh, but I also, it's called a word, a word of knowledge, which you gave to that man. It's a yeah. gift of the spirit, a word of knowledge using discernment, another gift of the spirit, but you were able, Yah gave you intimate information as a download mm -hmm. that you had no knowledge of this guy and you went and you spoke and ministered on a deep, deep level for deliverance and healing. And I think that that is vital. I've, been there many times actually when I counsel women that's the gift that I use um, so that I can genuinely hear what Yah wants me to hear about their situation to help undo some of the trauma and the damage but absolutely again we want to have a dialogue and it can look different in different people's lives right like journaling I said journaling is a, is a good way to kind of learn to hear and you know um, respond to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is something that as you, you do more of it. Yeah. You, exercising. You, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's like anything else, like exercising your, your muscles, the more you do, the stronger you get. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, same kind of thing with the, the unction, the voice, the hearing, the, yes. the prompting, um, is learning first of all, to identify it. Like, mm -hmm. you, you know, after you do it enough, you, you, you just know, okay, that's a different voice. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, and we're to test the spirits to see whether they be of yes, God, sir. because there are there are de lying, de you know, deceiving spirits out there too that that's will right. try to masquerade. That's one of the reasons why I ask for confirmation um, a, a lot. Uh, and just to be clear, I didn't heal anybody. People are like, you know, Rob's healing people. No, no. no look, the Holy nope. Spirit did it. I was the vessel that that s right. stepped out in faith. And I'll tell people too is that when I hear, and it doesn't happen a lot, but when I do hear that, heal that person. If I do it. Without question, instantly, like if I have a half a second to think about it, I'll go from faith to doubt just like that. Because you start thinking, well, what if it doesn't work? Or what are the people going to think? Or well, You start thinking about yourself at that moment. And what happened with me in that situation was I didn't have that half a second. By the time I would have started to question myself and doubt, the other woman stood up. 
me too. Mm. And I said, that's mm. it. Let, let's just do this now. Boom. Like, mm. and I have to believe, because I've had many oppor- many other opportunities to lay hands on the sick and pray and, and whatnot that didn't work. Um, and I can say that I did those, you know, either in my own strength, wanting it for myself, you know, I want to see this person healed and, yeah. and didn't. Um, or I was in my head going, man, you know, it didn't work last time. What if it doesn't work mm-hmm. this time? You know, I know what goes Help on in my here. my unbelief. Yeah, I, I believe, but my, I, I live Help in that, you know, I don't, I don't want to confess that, but I'm just admitting that, you know, there are many times that I find myself in that where, I, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I know that the gift mm-hmm. of healing, for instance, is legitimate. I know there are frauds Legit. out there. I know that there are charlatans out there. I know all that, but I know I've seen it. You know, I've experienced yes. it I, myself. My own life, yeah. I, I've, I've had healing, supernatural healing, instantaneous happen to me. Um, and I've seen through, you know, who are using my hands to do it with others when I stepped out in faith without doubting. So this is nothing to do with, with Rob or Jessica here. This is yeah, what, not at all. What, the, what we're just giving testimony of you know uh, what it looks like to walk in the spirit to be in an intimate relationship with him to understand yes. what the what what how the voice works um learning to discern what it sounds like and and walking in it and and yeah, getting the downloads it, yeah the downloads like um th- there were times where like when you know that you that the, the what the voice is and you and you sense the spirit that is the legitimate Holy Spirit there. There's a freedom in that. And like when you're in an environment, especially in a counseling environment where I'm working with these people and, and we start the day off in prayer with all the trainers getting the directors getting together like, Father, help us to see through your eyes, help us to hear with your ears, help us to speak the words that you would have us speak, touch through our hands. You know, we were intentionally praying that way before going into and all through the event. So we're immersed in that that bubble. And so when when we're intentionally praying that way and 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 it was always like father empty me of me fill me with you mm-hmm. you know that that kind of preparational prayer then you're there, then there's a freedom that opens up and 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 I would see things like I, I'm again audio visual like I'm like father what does this person need and like I this one woman I I I literally saw her standing before the throne of God and him stepping down from the throne and he walked oh. he walked down to her and he held out his hand. And he said, "Can I have this dance?" That was oh. that was way out of my box. Like, yeah. And and but I had learned, okay, Father, that's just way. I don't even know if that's really you, but I I just feel like I need to. Say, so I said I said that to her, and this woman started weeping. This goes this finally takes us into the next commandment. Um, uh, she started weeping. She goes, "My whole life, I've just wanted to dance and praise Him. I wanted to use dance as my." expression of, wow. of of praise but she was in a legalistic environment that said you can't dance and i had this and i didn't i didn't know that i didn't know anything about her uh, in that regard right. and yet i had a vision of the father stepping down from the throne and saying can i have this dance <laughs> you know i'm like Pfft. but i was obedient to the yeah. prompting to, to the visual image in my head that i, I believe he put there that, that set her free so in this next commandment um Thou shalt not make any graven image. This comes up a lot with artists. Um, does that mean we can't sculpt? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll just say this is my opinion. This is thus thinketh Rob. This is not thus saith the Lord. You out there pray and take it to the Father and see what he says to you. This is just what I have come to believe. Because I've sculpted many things in my life. I like to sculpt. I'm pretty good at it. Um, 
and I believe he gave me that gift. Um, I believe that the intent behind this is false god worship. It's the creation of idols. It's the sculpting of... Uh, are, are you there? Looks like you just froze up. Uh-oh. Hang on a second here. Jessica, are you there? Stand by. Let me see if uh, if I can get her back here. Oh no! Let me let me hang on a second. Let me, let me call her back. Sorry, guys. We're almost done with the show here. She froze up. <clears throat> uh, she's not answering, so I can only assume it must be a bad connection on her side, probably. Mm. Well, I guess that's it. All right, well, I'll just um, maybe wrap it up with this. Uh, no uh, graven images. Uh, it, it is my belief that in the context of this um, commandment that we see throughout the rest of Scripture, it's don't use your talent to create something, you know, earthly, uh, you know, uh, an animal, a person, you know, something of that nature that you then worship, which we see shortly, you know, coming up with the um, golden calf. They create this golden calf. They, you know, they sculpt the, this calf and then they worship it. Uh, so that is my understanding of this. Again, this is thus thinketh Rob. I'm not telling anybody else. This is the absolute, you know, truth understanding of scripture. This is my understanding of that commandment. And I'm willing to admit that I could be wrong. I just don't believe that you uh, has shown me that I am wrong in this regard. Uh, so for artists out there, you know, I, I don't think you're violating the commandment. Again, this is Rob. Rob does not believe you are violating the commandment by, you know, making a nice sculpture of, you know, plant, animal, human, or whatever, so long as you don't set it up as something that you worship. That goes back to the previous commandment, you know, having no other gods before him. Um, taking the Lord's name in vain. Let me see if I can try her one more time. I think she might have some insight into this, too. One last time. and Oh, didn't work. Man, bummer. Um, <clears throat> taking his, the name of the Lord in vain. In the uh, Parshan 60 Seconds, they said, you know, don't uh, use the name of God as a swear word. And so when I grew up... It, you, if you said, oh, my God, that was considered, you know, breaking the commandment. You know, shouldn't take the name of the Lord in vain. Well, first of all, God is not his name. So saying, oh, my God, that that's not his name. His name is not God. His name is Yahuwah or Yahweh or Jehovah or however you want to pronounce the tetragrammaton, uh, yod heh uh, My understanding of this, after looking into it deeper, is you shall not make the name of the Lord Yahuwah, make his name of none effect. Uh, nullifying it, which frankly, and then again, this is just my, this is Rob, okay? This is just thus, th thus thinketh Rob. Um, when you take the name of God, yod heh vav -Heh, and replace it over 6,000 times in an English Bible, 
with the generic phrase, the, the Lord. Oh, here we go. She's back. There we go. I'm back. <laughs> hey, welcome back. Uh, Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay, keep going. I'm uh, good. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what you heard or what you missed. I'll go over it real quick. The, maybe we could wrap yeah. the show up with these two. Um, um, the graven image issue, uh, yeah. my understanding of that is, is it's not telling artists that he gave you the gift, talent, and ability, Michelangelo or you know what have you, to create a sculpture, you know, make this beautiful sculpture. Uh, I don't think he's speaking against that. Um, I'm an artist, and I sculpt, and I enjoy it, and I... I don't feel any conviction that what I'm doing is wrong. And so for people who are out there who are artists, I know you're an artist also, uh, who you got a painting or it looks like behind you right there. Um, you know, I, I don't believe this commandment is against artists. I believe that this commandment is specifically related to the creation of idols, like the golden calf that we find, you know, shortly after this Torah portion. Um, and then the other thing is the taking the name of the Lord God in vain, you know, I was I was raised. If you said, "Oh my God, you just broke the commandment," well, God's not His name, so you know, it's it's not using the name of God as a swear word or as, as something like "Oh my God," it's making the name of Yod Hey Vav Hey of none effect. Which, that's right. Frankly, like I was just started to say just before you came on, is what they did with the King James Bible. They took the name of Yod Hey Vav Hey, threw it out, and replaced it with a generic title, the Lord. Uh, that seems to be my take on those two commandments, but wanted to get your take on the engraving image and the um, the issue of taking his name in vain. Any insights you have on that? Yeah, no, I think that was just spot on, especially the, the carving of these or emulating these other gods, these Elohim Akrim, which if you studied mythology, which I have, um, but if you studied mythology, this was very common. And most people don't know that um, back in the day, in the ancient Near Eastern times, way back, uh, there were a lot of deities. Why were there a lot of deities? Well, because the mental concept of the people of that time believed that anything that they could not control was then ascribed to a god. A god was in control because they could not. And um, so this is why there were uh, many element gods, you know, gods, wind, you know, sun, moon, the gods of the harvest, gods of the of the sea, gods of all, you know. And so they would then tie in these mythologies or these stories in order to pass that information on from one generation to the next. Well, in order to kind of, we were talking about hearing these stories right mythology and then seeing and it's interesting because what is your faith if it's not eyes to see ears to hear faith comes by hearing hearing by the word and then faith becomes the evidence of that which is unseen mm -hmm. so of course in order for them to maintain a belief in a god if you will then they had to give that information uh, orally to their tribes or to their people, and then they would use these images uh, to enforce that story or dialogue so that the children, the next generation, would stay connected to those gods. And so it's uh, these idols were not just, you know, carving images, but it was really maintaining that faulty perception of who Yahuwah, the one true living El, really is in comparison to all these other mythologies or these uh, myths about uh, various gods. But even as the people became more intellectualized and more familiar with uh, the weathering patterns and how things work, um, I mean, there was even a god of the flies, uh, Lord of the Flies, right? Mm -hmm. Be'al Zabab. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
which Lord of the Flies, and if you really understand the interpretation, it's actually, uh, why would Lord of the Flies, it's the Lord of Death, mm-hmm. the Lord of the Dung, um, so they they would ascribe you know deityship or godship or whatever you want to call it to various elements that they could not understand or control. Uh, this is why many gods were uh, luck gods or luck of the gods. You know the luck of the gods is shining upon you because mm. they believe that these gods could be temperamental and satiated in some way uh, through their sacrifices and whatnot. So yeah, it, carving had a lot to do with maintaining those lies and maintaining the heresy ascribed to these false gods. But as far as, um, what was the next one you said? Um, Taking the name in vain. Absolutely. So, you know, in Greek and in Hebrew, that word vain means empty to be brought to nothing, to make his name empty. Right. So that again, talks about your faith, uh, putting in, uh, the vitality of his word, putting it into work, putting it into effect in our lives. Yeah. Do not take his name. Do not make his name. Nothing. And you know what's interesting? Hashem, right? The name. What is this Hashem? Yeah, they, the they, name. They call him the yeah. name. It's like you just made his name nothing. Like nothing. I mean, it, the, the word, like you said, it means emptiness, nothing. You know, don't make nothing, his man. name nothing. Uh, you know, and we've talked about it in previous broadcasts, but I mean, you talked about mythology. Yeah, we grew up reading the Greek myths. We could read the Odyssey and Iliad in school. We couldn't read the Bible in school, but we could read about all the pagan gods and watch Absolutely. the movies of Thor and stuff. Is why is it that we give more honor to the pagan deities? We we reference them: Thor, Apollo, Zeus. You know, we we have no problem, you know, in pop culture speaking the names of the false gods, and yet when it comes to the one, the one and only true God. Uh, they just threw his name out, and you know we don't say his name when he says he wants his name known yeah. in all the world. So literally, like, and th- those uh, we'll, we'll kind of end with these last two commandments in the, uh, the first half here, uh, the first four: uh, take his name in vain and remember the Sabbath. Like Christianity in general has thrown both of those out. You know, they call him the Lord, so they've made his name nothing, uh, and they want to throw out the Sabbath. You know, it's like, well, no, you know, we don't have to do the Sabbath anymore. You know, uh, it's like. Wow. Uh, I, I, although I will back up and say on the engraven image side of things, and Juan Carlos had some good insight on this a while back, is uh, these things can pick up hitchhikers. <laughs> what am I talking about? Uh, well, Absolutely. like a lot of times missionaries, short-term missionaries, you know, people go for like two weeks or something on a mission trip. You know, they'll go and then they'll they'll shop and get some souvenirs, right? And so you find yourself in a place like uh, India and you think, oh, wow, look at all these interesting, you know, Indian, you know, r- real Indian, not Native American, uh, Indian, uh, you know, trinkets, right? So you, you buy a, a Ganesha, you know, trinket or something, you know, or a Buddha statue, whatever, because I got a candle on its head or something. You think, oh, you know, that's cool, right? And you bring it home. Well, and then all of a sudden you start having problems in the home, right? Yeah. Well, what happened? Unclean spirit. What happened? Yeah, you brought you brought home a hitchhiker, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um Unclean spirits, unclean spirits, sud in the Hebrew, sud, Eliel. These are various terms used to describe unclean spirits. The word demoniac or demon is Latin Mm. um, and geist is German, but ghosts, but or spirits. um, But it's interesting because if you take even that away from the Greek, you can you can find various unclean spirits like a lying Mm. spirit, a spirit of whoredom, a spirit of perversion, witchcraft, necromancy many different spirits mentioned in the Tanakh or in the Torah or in the 
in the Tanakh, we'll just say Tanakh, in the Tanakh, this is where you get the concept of somebody actually being oppressed by an unclean spirit. You're absolutely right. These unclean spirits. Why? Because again, back to that carved image and the the mythology associated with it, which in fact, the person believes that Buddha represents the God of fortune, right? Mm. Buddha represents luck and fortune. Yeah. And prosperity, right? So all of those things are, you know, intertwined and those unclean spirits can, in fact, uh, attach themselves to these relics and enter into your home because you were susceptible and unknowing and allow these things to come into your home. And now all of a sudden your children are, you know, being struggling with pornography or struggling with, you know, suicidal thoughts or depression. Uh, All of a sudden your children are rising up in rebellion or your, you know, your, your, the dialogue between you and your spouse is, you know challenging yeah absolutely yeah for sure well uh that brings us right to the top of the hour and the end of the broadcast somebody else had asked in the chat room what was that prayer that i i mentioned to the guy in singapore again um you know basically it was and i like to be specific people when it comes to the name of of our creator uh there's a lot of disagreement out there. You know, is it Yahweh? Is it Jehovah? Like the King James, Yehovah, Yehovah. I've sort of gone through all of them. I had, there are times in my life where Me too. I, you know, yeah, accepted all of them. Um, you know, and, and I don't want to be guilty of violating the last commandment, but when I'm dealing with somebody like that guy in Singapore, I'm not going to get all hung up on the semantics there. Uh, I, 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 but I do want to be specific enough that we're addressing the right. Cause there are a lot of gods out there. Little G. So, you know, I with somebody new, if somebody here in the audience that wants to understand and hear and experience God Yahuwah better, I would just use the name, you know, for somebody here. Somebody in the world that doesn't have, you know, they're outside of this whole frame of reference, I would say God of Abraham, which has worked out well, even like dealing with people like with Muslims, because they believe the God of Abraham. Now, they believe, they, they call Allah, and this gets kind of tricky too, you know, for some, I recognize Allah is not Yahuwah, um, but for many, the, uh, of the typical um, Muslim, Allah is simply their word for God. That's the word mm. they use for God. Um, so to narrow it down, though, when like when I was dealing with them, I would say God of Abraham. That covers mm. all the bases, <laughs> you know. So you, mm. it's like you know that's a very specific entity. There's only one God of Abraham, you know, and that's the reason why mm. Yahuwah picked Abraham because Abraham's like I'm done with everything else, you know. And he tried. Mm. If you read like Joshua and some of the other texts, you know, <clears throat> he went through a process. You know, maybe it's the sun. No, it's not the yeah. sun. Maybe it's the moon. No, it's not the moon. Maybe it's these. No, these. My dad made mm-hmm. these. You know, maybe so, it's the wind. Yeah, yeah, he went through sort of the gamut of you know um, alternatives and settled and said, no, none of these are. Uh, so he came to yeah. recognize that Yod Hey Vav Hey <clears throat> was the true God. So it. it yeah. When, when I speak in generic terms with somebody, uh, especially if I'm going to give them a prayer, I always say God of Abraham. Yeah. Th- that kind of covers it. It's just. You know. Interesting that Allah, again, Eastern mindset, functional language, right? Very verb oriented. But Allah actually translates, actually in the Bible, it translates as ascension or ascended. And it's where we get the word Aliyah when we mm-hmm. when we take when we go pilgrimage. You always ascend up to Jerusalem. You never go down, but you go up to Jerusalem for the pilgrimages and you make Aliyah. Mm-hmm. So this is where that word Allah, or even when a burnt sacrifice, the the uh, smoke would ascend, it would make Allah. So this is why they use that word because they call him the ascension or the ascended one. Yeah. yeah the yeah. high and lofty one. High and lofty one. Yeah. <laughs> so 
you know, yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to get into <laughs> semantics with somebody like well, if I'm dealing with a like a Muslim like that. I'm not going to get all arguing. Well, you know, that's yeah. the God of the Jews. We serve Allah. Or that's this or that. And look, do you believe in the God of Abraham? Yes or no? Well, yeah, of course. Okay, then let's. I'll work with that. No. Well, he's the one true God. Let me let me introduce you to him. So, uh, for those in the audience who already have a relationship with Yahuwah, however you choose to pronounce the Yod Hey Vav Hey, this is the prayer. Yahuwah, if you are real, please reveal yourself to mm. me in tangible ways that I cannot deny. He wants Absolutely. to do that. You know, for somebody who doesn't have that, uh, any relationship, I would say God of Abraham. You know, I, this is my, if I don't have time to really work with somebody to, you know, really disciple them and witness to them, I would just give them this prayer. It's like, you know what? I could tell you have a desire to, to know the creator. This is the prayer that I would recommend for you. You know, creator of the universe, you know, you can use that. Or God of Abraham, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me in tangible ways that I can't deny. He wants to do that. I, that's one prayer that I know is always going to be answered. <laughs> you know, reveal yourself yeah. to me in tangible ways. He wants nothing more than that. So whether you're an unbeliever right. or a believer who doesn't feel that connection, the prayer works either way. Uh, and then yeah. the, the the next part of that is being open to receiving whatever you get back. You know, um, mm what you see and what you hear. You know, there are times where I've had testimony where he, people say that he appeared to him. Great. You know, mm. other times where, you know, addiction was broken instantaneously and they were set That's free. Right. Uh, other times, this one time I was working with this Jewish guy. He's a big Jewish guy. And uh, he would gone through all three weekends. And but the first weekend we intentionally pull back on, on kind of overt Christianity, you know, with it. It is we you're using biblical principles without identifying them as such. Uh, and when people experience the love that they do experience, by the time we get to part two, we're able to uh, kind of cats out of the bag. Guess what? We're a Christian organization, you know, but they've already experienced it at that point. And then by part three, I can really seal the deal with some of these people. And this big Jewish guy who's like, you know, I see what you guys are, I, that there's something here that he was from New York. He's like, there's something real here. I know there's something real, but I just, I can't accept this Jesus. And I said, why not? He goes, because I'm Jewish. I said, I'm Polish. Who cares? All I'm trying to do is introduce one Jew to another Jew. What's the problem? <laughs> you know, he's like, I don't know. I said, dude, come here. You know, he's a big guy. And I, I just, we held hands together. And I just, I, I said, we prayed this prayer. I said, dude, I can tell you're searching. I can tell you, you want what you see everybody else here has. Why don't you just pray this? What do you got to lose? Right? He goes, all right. He's a big, huge guy. Right? He grabs my hands and he prayed that. He's like, you know, God of Abraham, I ask you to reveal yourself to me in tangible wow. ways that I can't deny. And like, he like freaked out. He's like, wow, man, I felt like I just get hit by electricity. Like a lightning bolt went right through me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, man, I, I believe you probably got an answer to that prayer, man. And I saw him uh, sometime later, and I gave him, a, I got him a King James Bible and put his name on it. And uh, he later, he only lived for, you know, a few more years, uh, but he became a hardcore Jewish evangelist, you know, for Yeshua uh, as a result of that. So, look, th this is the prayer that I would leave you, everybody out there with is because he wants to reveal himself to us in tangible yeah. ways. He wants us to walk with him. That's the purpose of the commandments. That's why this Torah portion, why he gave us this, these commandments. These are, and I don't even like the word commands. These are instructions. 
I don't like the word law. Instructions. Torah means law. <clears throat> you know what's interesting, really quick? Yeah. Rob, before you go, and I might lose connection here, that's why. You realize that the first five commandments deal with loving Yah. That's right. And the, the last five deal with loving your neighbor. So if you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal, you're not going to covet, you're not going to kill. If you love Yah, you're going to not, you're not going to have any other him. You're going to rest when he rests. You're going to, you see, so really it is tied up into those two being profound, but yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I might lose connection. So I just wanted to say that. Yep, yeah. well, that's a good word to end on. Uh, and uh, hey, Jessica, wow, this was fun. This was really good. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, always. Thank you. Well, I'll have to make this more of a, a regular occurrence here. Uh, bringing you on a virtual Let's house with us. Thank you so much. All right. I actually want to sit and talk with you on a few of these topics that you brought up. So let's let's stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me in your house. I appreciate it. All right, right on. And I will conclude with reading the uh, blessing uh, that Aaron gave. Yahuwah bless thee and keep thee. The Lord Yahuwah make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Yahuwah lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace, which is shalom. Shalom Shabbat for those who don't understand that's just Sabbath and Shalom is peace so peace on the on the Sabbath so 